How was the rest of your weekend? It's been good, man. It's been really good. So we went out weekend because you got a day off tomorrow. Yeah, holiday. Saturday we went out. It was uh, we had plans with friends, and that fell yeah. through because Lindsay's under oh. the weather. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, she's not doing well, but she'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she, uh, we went out. We ended up going out. Um, she just wasn't feeling well. And mm-hmm. so we went out to my favorite brewery, and then we went out to my grandpa's place and, and got some tools from his house and came back. And it was like an easy evening. And then today was Sunday, and I thought, I'm going to get some work done in the, in the backyard. So I got spent like three hours back there doing that. I feel very fulfilled this weekend. What about you? How was your weekend? It was good. We started out on Friday. Friday was uh, Susie's mom's anniversary. Uh, um, and so we went to the beach uh, uh, for sunset. And then I was like, you know what? Like, we always do the same thing. We we either hit Wood Ranch on the way back or the Malibu Seafood Company or whatever the hell the place is called. Um, let me see what's in the area that I can find on Open Table. And I found this place called The Sunset. And uh, it was less than a mile from where we were. And we were like, oh, this is incredible. And they had seatings for like like 20 minutes from right where we were. And I was like, this is perfect. Sun's going to go down. It's freezing. Um Let's just go grab dinner. And I did the classic thing that I never do, but I was like, you know what? Her mom would want me to. Um, I got a cheeseburger at a fancy restaurant. I mean, I say fancy, <laughs> you know, beachside restaurant where like they was like, uh, you know, uh, Susie got the other thing I was looking at, which was this bolognese that they had, this Wagyu beef. Oh, man. Bolognese. But I got the Wagyu beef burger. Oh, well, you, so you it, went, you went it from what you described sounds like, oh, yeah, we'll just get the basic stuff. But when you get Wagyu or Wagyu. I mean, that's what they offered, you know, so. <laughs> and that's, yeah, what you upgraded to. I have, oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah, I did that. I added cheese. I had a Caesar salad on the side. Um, and uh, I had drank way too much. So I wasn't feeling great on Saturday. I had the kids. Susie worked. So I was like very much like hunkered down, focused on a school project that Wes had. And then, um, and today was, you know, hanging out with my parents doing laundry. So. I saw um, that picture. What was the? I was trying to tell Lindsay what that type of uh, plant was. What was it? Uh, oh, it wasn't a type of plant. So um, detritus is the shit that you pull out of your uh, oh. <laughs> out of your like rain gutter. That's oh. detritus. Yeah. Um, you mean like the goo that said there after the the no, leaves? No, this have is congealed? like the, the junk. No, this is like the twigs and the and the the shit. And wow! Like he's he's doing a project where he's got to build a shadow box, and he chose water snake. And so I was like, okay, well, there's not going to be any water snakes down in the Bologna wetlands, but from all the videos and everything we watched, it looks a lot like the marshlands they live at up and down the east coast. Oh. So I was like, oh, let's go just pull some stuff from the wetlands for you. Um, and I just threw out the word detritus, which uh, Jed enjoyed. So. <laughs> well, today I learned what detritus means. <laughs> yeah. At least, I, well, here's the thing is I was using context clues. Um, what was it? Uh, I learned it from Ed Bagley Jr. because he uses rainwater capture at his house. And he talked about filtering out the detritus. And so just from context clues, I was just like, it's got to yeah. be the shit that you pull out of your rain gutter. <laughs> so. <laughs> There That's one thing that I've always wanted to do is have one of those big black plastic bins that collects the rainwater. Because you think how many but gallons then, like, are yeah. one of those things? Yeah, hundred gallons. Get your whole your whole shit with that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's so easy and save us. I mean, especially now in Southern California, saving money. Have you done your taxes yet? 
No, not yet. Um, I started and it was like one of those things where I needed one document and I went to go find it. And then I was logged out of the website. And I was like, eh, I did enough. <laughs> and you do your own, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I don't run man. off much anymore. I used to like send it out to a lady and it was like 600 bucks. And I know we talked about like, that's like a yeah. lot, but I wrote off a lot. And so it was always like making up for itself. But like, I don't have anything really like I would love to write off a lot of stuff. But, like, I didn't freelance, so I can't really write it off if I didn't freelance. But I did work from home. I don't know. I don't I don't feel like it's worth it for me to go pay a person. Um, yeah, well, I got turned off when I did it through H&R Block. And it was, you know, I was young. My first, probably the second or third time I had ever filed. And uh, I was renting the place for my, for my aunt and uncle, renting the room. Yeah. And they had just put in windows. Like brand new windows, the ones that are um, the insulated, energy efficient. Mm-hmm. And so when it said on the line, "Do you, did you install?" and I said, "Yes, I did." It wasn't until five or six years later, when I tried to buy my condo, that they said you can't apply for this first-time homeowners credit because oh, it looks fuck. by are by our. I know, and it's wild to think that that stuff comes around. And they go by our accounts. You owned a house if you claimed this credit. Then you owned a house. And I swear, David, I remember spending and I and I I talked and I was very nice. I was very cordial with the people that I spoke to at the IRS. And that's like what that's their business, right? It's like <laughs> gotta talk with these people that are having problems. I remember uh just talking with so many different people and saying, Look, I, I it wasn't me. And they said, Well, okay, you gotta call back in two weeks. We're gonna process this. It I was scared at one point because I thought they wouldn't give me my credit. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and I, I realized my mistake. I said, guys, this is my this is my issue. Um, I accidentally claimed this, and I'll pay whatever I have to pay, whatever I did got deducted like that, the, that one yeah, time. Pay it back or whatever. Yeah, I, and I think they knew because like this this is a young kid. Yeah, and and so I ended up was I was able to get the credit and be able to get the condo. But man, for six months I was worried. I was genuinely worried. And it, it comes back, man. You can't. There's certain things. I'm sure there's certain things that you can you can get around with the government and processing. But that was one thing that was like a fine tooth comb. And they said we have denied you on this application because look at this. And I thought, oh my gosh, I remember that. And I clicked a box on H and R Block. So that's why I don't do mine anymore. Can't do it. Yeah, man. I'm glad you got your place, but your debts. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jimmy. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. I thought you were maybe getting there, but oh no! I, you know what? I was, but you brought up taxes. I was like, all right, I can go with this. Heck yeah! <laughs> I'm worried because didn't you, did you see the things that from the government that said don't file your taxes because what? Yeah, the credits that they've issued and they can't. I, I don't know something. I was going to ask you if you knew what was going on. No. no, all right. I, I, I was, we haven't uh, even I'm missing some form. And I went on the website to get the form. Yeah. I don't remember where it's from. But I was missing some form. I went to the website to get the form. And it was like end of, oh, yeah, these forms. If this is the form you're waiting for, you got to wait till the end of February. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I guess I just am going to stall out till the end of February. <laughs> well, and I think that's what they're doing is they're just kind of they're they're giving they're I haven't even got my packet yet from our from our guy. Oh. Mm. So we haven't even been able to file. Mm. So I don't know if that's his choice. Or if yeah. it's the government not giving him the okay, I have no idea. Yeah, I just no. I'll, I don't I'll mind follow. doing H and R Block. Um, I have no problem with that. I think one year I had a question, 
and it was like $80 more to upgrade, which obviously I hate. It's not ideal, but I'm still like, it's cheaper than the $600 I was doing. I'll do, I'll do the $80 for me to like ask the question and like be clear and make sure yeah. that I have this all set. But like my taxes are so clean cut now compared to what they had been when I was freelancing that, um, uh, if I could save the money, however, you know, I'm halfway through and right now I owe like six grand, which, does, you know, it's like you just got to input all the stuff before right. it like balances out. But right. it's like a real time calculator as you go. And I'm like, oh, this you is go, oh OK, all right. <laughs> let's get there. Yeah, I want to pay. Yeah, down that's kind of scary for me. I almost want to do like yeah. there's a pro. There's a guy that's gone to school for this. I'm going to let him deal with all of this stuff. I guess. <laughs> and your yours is not $600, right? <laughs> no, ours is, and it's gone up. I mean, when, you, you, yeah. when your family grows, you get a house instead of a yeah. condo. It gets a little more, and then you have I'll investments. See, you have that, so. <laughs> it doesn't, I want to say, ah, what did I, do you remember what I said? Was it like 250 or 300 bucks? That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And which, for me, the time, my time is worth way more than that. If it, yeah, I, I imagine sure. that Andy spends enough time on it. You know, yeah, doing right. our stuff. He's been our guy for the last decade. So, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into this. I don't have any house. Yeah, man. Keep- oh, wait, yeah, I do. Song Meaning's got a UI update. I heard them talk about it on Sadie Hawkins Pod, too. However, you still can't log in. You still can't create a new account. You can't do anything. But it looks completely different. I don't know if you saw yeah. that in your research. So, yes. Oh, I, I definitely noticed. So, remember, and I could, you know what? I could tell you. My guess I is will- whatever plugin they used to run the forum that the website is built upon got updated. They did nothing on their end. I will tell you right now. So, if I I go in here and I put in if I put in quotes I think it'll find the exact thread so it's new.songmeanings.com oh. I want to see so it's when I want and criminal energy so it looks like the last time that I had new.songmeanings.com as a URL was in October of 2022 so that means that in I'd say November or December they rolled out the actual one where it went back to song meanings so there were mm. there was times when it was just we were doing that subdomain thing. So yeah, it's been four months now that they've had this. Wow. New okay. So yeah, I just completely missed it, and it finally like pushed to my browser, I guess. Or oh, oh so. you refreshed, refreshed, and then it reloaded everything. Yeah, well, like I the know, cache was, was cleared. My, I was just doing the research. <laughs> There's some Chrome update that cleared enough of the cache yeah, that right. Uh, yeah. Oh man, this um, is different. Yeah, it's. Oh, uh, and then I thought this was cool. I'll jump to this. I'll I'll get this queued up and watch together at three oh five. Um, while I was doing my research this week, I came across a video of uh, the band getting interviewed, and Rick talks a bunch about the Phoenix sessions, which it's just fun hearing Rick. Oh, talk. good, good. Yeah. So let me jump to three oh five on this video, and we can hear Rick talk a lot. Hey about, now, everyone. Three oh five. Three oh five. Three oh five. Three oh five. Here we go. Yeah, the possibilities of forming a circle for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, right. So we took a different approach to it and thought from all oh, right. So the perspective of the viewers mm-hmm. through the through the lens through the screen, and so uh, kind of worked with the team to help us kind of realize this idea. It was of, the most expensive band practice ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you still did like the banter in between songs, which I missed about concerts at the time. True, so <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a live performance. We yeah. played yeah. we played the songs through, we played the albums through, and the cameras were rolling. Yeah. So what you're watching was, is what you're hearing. Yeah, yeah. it was it was a exercise in, you know, creating a film mm. and also creating yeah, a gig, doing a live performance and recording that live performance. So it was a 
challenging and and also very rewarding very proud of what we put together there very cool I love how much Rick talked right there. Yeah. And I almost now, felt like Jim was surprised. It's like, oh, Rick's yeah, going right. off. Here we go. <laughs> like, Let him go. Fuck, Rick. All right. Go. Let him run free. Um, now, I, I don't know how much you watched Zach during that. But I did please not. keep an eye on Zach during this next question. This okay. is what I imagine Zach thinks about when he gets a tweet from us or a DM from us <laughs> or right. ever hears about us. Just watch Zach. Okay. Next question. My favorite song, you guys, 23. Can you talk about the origin to putting that song together? Inspiration. <laughs> the eyes closed for fuck. Six seconds. Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's up there. It's like That's almost seven minutes. Guy. Six six forty nine of them. Who's counting? I guess it's just sort of like a. You know, <laughs> There's got another four, five, the five seconds. The of factors that come into play when you're uh, when you. Dude, I was like, oh, man. Anyway, this is uh, from uh, Bionic Buzz. Some dude running a YouTube channel with a really terrible microphone. But he's got a flag on it, so, you know. You know it, we, man. Hey, that's it's legit, dude. It's, it's a triangle. But, yeah, this is a big <laughs> festival that they did. They talk a little bit about this song uh, during this interview, so we'll come back to it. But, um, yeah, some beach festival last year uh, in Florida. And, uh, yeah, just, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I I love it though. Like how do you stare, I, stare daggers into somebody with your eyes closed? Yeah, right. I wonder how many breaths in he took. It was a one long breath. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> I've been told. Just take it in. Yeah. Yeah. You you're right. Do the uh, you know the um, oh what was the interview that uh, Henry Cavill? <laughs> I feel like it's Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck sitting next to each other for something, and there's like a slow push in on. Ben Affleck's face, and he just looks super like, uh, just not wanting to be at whatever this press junket is. Anyway, I want to do that to Zach here, where it just like, "Hello, darkness, my old friend," just straight into Zach's face. He's, it, you know what it is, and it's, it, I know what you're talking about. They do the cut, they they do that little uh, zoom in on him. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. He's looking down to the left. Yeah, it's got to be <laughs> Batman versus Superman, right? Yeah, that's Henry it. Cavill yeah. and Ben Affleck. Yeah. Sad, oh, yeah, man. sad Affleck meme, <laughs> like uh, like the continuation of that one, not the one that yeah. where he's out in the back. <laughs> Any other time, yeah, that you see Ben Affleck, apparently now, like the whole thing with the uh, the Grammys, wasn't it? Like, yeah, just like when you when you go to your your wife's work event, <laughs> yeah. I just love it because you, you described it. I searched for Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck meme, and then the the fourth or fifth suggested term is hello darkness <laughs> all right all right before i get into uh the uh this will be the last piece of housekeeping this is what chat gpt i, yes. I was like let me see if chat gpt could just do the research for me here's what ah. chat gpt came up with on the song place your debts all right here's my prompt Write a factual essay about the brand new Jimmy Eat World song, Place Your Debts, in the style of a podcast monologue. Include as many facts as you can, including, but not limited to, where it was recorded, who produced it, who's featured on the track, when it was released, and any other relevant trivia about the song. That's the prompt. Wow. Chat GPT. Pretty, pretty thick. Oh, yeah. It certainly attempted <laughs> Hello and welcome to this podcast episode about the all-new Jimmy Eat World song called Place Your Debts. This track was released on February 10th, 2023, and it has already been causing quite a stir in the music world. First of all, let's talk about where the song was recorded. Place Your Debts 
was actually recorded at the iconic Sunset Sound Studios in Los Angeles, California. This is the same studio where many other legendary musicians such as the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, and Prince have recorded their music, so it's safe to say that Jimmy Eat World is in good company with this track. The song was produced by the Grammy Award-winning producer Dave <laughs> Sardi, who has worked with other major artists such as Oasis, LCD Sound System, and Marilyn Manson. This is not the first time Jimmy Eat World has worked with Sardi. He also produced their 2016 album, Integrity Blues. <laughs> One interesting fact about Place Your Debts is that it features a guest vocalist. The singer-songwriter Julian Baker lends her voice to the track, adding an extra layer of emotion and depth to the song. This collaboration was a surprise to fans as it was not previously announced or teased that either Jimmy Eat by Jimmy Eat World or Baker. Now, let's get into the nitty-gritty of the song itself. Please Your Debts is a reflective and contemplative ballad that showcases the band's signature sound of soaring guitars and introspective lyrics. The song deals with themes of regret and the struggle to move on from past mistakes. Lead singer Jim Adkins delivers powerful and emotionally charged vocals as he sings lines such as, I put my money on the wrong horse, I rolled the dice and lost my bet, my debts are piled high, too much to ignore. Do you, do you know what that makes me think of? Total Recall. What is the question that breaks when he's got that thing oh, that's wrapped around him? Yeah, the I question don't recall, that's asked but I him? know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Damn it. I want to see. Hold on. Let me see if I can find Who this. Who is your daddy and what does he do? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do want to rave DJ some Julian Baker now, though. <laughs> I'll work on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dang it. Oh, man. It's when he's, got, he's, he's dressed, dressed up as the woman and that the... The officer asks the wrong or the question, and it, the character can't answer. Oh my goodness! I will figure it out. I have to now. Now I remember. It's the two weeks, so I'm gonna put this into watch together. I don't know this actress's name, but she's so good. Quaid. All right, let's see. Two weeks. What an epic film, too. Welcome to the Mars Federal Colony. For your safety and comfort, domes have been installed to protect you from the vacuum outside. Yeah, it's when he's trying to infiltrate it, right? Look at him. I love this, though, how, how they made her stand out with that yellow outfit. Thank you, and enjoy your stay on Mars. Passport? That immigration be with me, no matter how legit your travel is. Hagen wants to see you right away. Any news of Quaid? Not since you lost him. Watch your mouth, Captain. We've got a car to take. So, how long do you plan to stay on Mars? Two weeks. There it is. <laughs> Look at that shit. <laughs> what the hell's this? The Martians love Coato. They think he's fucking George Washington. Kill the bastard. <laughs> Nobody knows who he is. Have you brought any fruits or vegetables onto the planet? <laughs> Two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> Excuse me? 
two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not just graffiti. The rebels took over the refinery last night. No turbidium is going out, and it gets worse. The rebels. I don't think I've seen this since it came out. Yeah, but it's, it's funny how I kind of remember it. This movie's 30 years old? Yeah. That's Quaid. Where? The woman. Get him. Her. Arrest that The face opens up, right? Yeah. Does this, like, digital block? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There we go. There we go. The wig comes off. Come on. Oh, look at that. Catch. Catch. <laughs> Get ready for a Classic. Come on, watch the rest. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't see the remake because I was like, no, I saw the original. I get yeah, it. that was enough. <laughs> That's what it was. It was the two weeks scene. Okay, <laughs> two weeks. That's like, once once Chat GPT goes off the rails, it's kind of like, all right, maybe maybe AI won't take us over. Yeah, we should ask Chat GPT how long it's plans to stay on Mars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So anyway, that was the Chat GPT research. Yes. Um, with all kinds of odd information. Um, let's get into the real stuff. The song Place Your Debts has an ASCAP entry. Um, there is uh no album yet that we are aware of, so we're calling it a digital only single, track one of one. Okay, so according to Koba's QOBUZ, it was released. Well, now there's more information we'll talk about later, but the original track, or the track according to Koba's, is released October 19th, 2022. However, we got it in July of right. last year. And that was because it was on that website. We'll talk more about that and how it how that all went down. Um, produced by JMJ and Jimmy Eat World. Recorded at Unit 2. Written by Jimmy Eat World and Bright Eyes and the Faint, and the faint Artists. Clark Balk? Belky? Balky? Is it Balky? <laughs> from Perfect no, Strangers I, and I Denver bagel. Dolly Bagel Bagel ah okay um, and uh, that is confirmed on the BMI repertory uh, website uh, in that they have writing credits on the song um, and uh, which is kind of interesting because didn't last week we went into the the drama between uh, Bright Eyes and Jimmy yeah World. we did yeah <laughs> so <laughs> The beef, man. Yeah. Um, uh, Singer is Jim, featuring no one. Uh, Label is Exotic Locations. Publishing is Do I Get a Pickle with that? No demo that we are aware of. Uh, They've never played it yet. No notable low notes or high notes. Uh, Okay. So for the original track, 10.2 thousand listeners have scrabbled this 21.6 thousand times since it was released, five of which are from me. Then there's the remix. So it has 20, uh, 2,656 listeners who have scrabbled this uh, 3,776 times. 
and uh, I don't have any. How many? What are the Spotify numbers look like on that? Let me look back at this again. Or on both of them. So place your debts. The official track has one million. It hit one million wow. plays. Pretty good. And I want to see what the T W Walsh remix does. <laughs> Let's go back to it, right? Oh, it needs to show me. There it is, 167,000. Nice. Yeah. So 1.7%. Yeah. Yes. Or 17%. 17% of the, yeah. the total are the place your debts, yeah. T.O.B. Walsh. All right. Um, let's talk about the structure. The OG is a G major key, 9B Camelot, 88 BPM, 510 duration. The remix is an E minor key, a 9A Camelot. Uh, so it is the relative uh, Camelot. I don't know if that is E minor a relative to G major. That it is. Yes. Oh, look at that. All right. Uh, also an 88 BPM and a 501 duration. Uh, and that is all I have for track notes and structure. Um, and uh, yeah. Okay. Sh- shall we jump into lyrics? I made a bunch of edits on you Genius. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, you did. the YouTube post had the actual lyrics. So I made a couple lyric changes too. Okay. Great. Yeah, this is one of those that's uh this tracks that are just chock full of lyrics. Jim went to town on these yeah. ones. So here we go. This is Place Your Debts. And feel free to jump in with your annotations as I go sure. through this. I try to include them in my annotations. Um, but if I miss one, be sure and don't let me slide. Okay, so I broke the verses down in half. So I'll go two lines at a time. And it's we'll go with uh verse one here. Gentlemen. Place your debts. Payment in full by future you. And I think similar to the dealer at a casino, this individual is asking for the participants to effectively lay out their future life debts as opposed to bets. Now, like bring them to the table. Now we're going to discuss the future. I think we can all agree the ending is off to a great start. Now, I think the use of the word great in this context is Mm -hmm. sarcastic. Yeah. Sort of like we're all in the same boat and we're all bound for trouble, right? Yeah. And uh, what did I? What I did want to touch on is place your debts. I was like, what kind of turn of phrase? What is it called when you change a common phrase? You change a word in a common phrase to rhyme. And what is that called? As far as I could find, it's called a snow clone. Ooh. Um, it's kind of like a pun, but it's a snow clone. I found this on English.stackexchange.com. Um, I understand this is quite complicated title. However, I failed to discover a word or few words to adequately describe the creative language when uh, used when changing a saying or well-known phrase into something slightly different with a different meaning, but still echoing the original phrase used. As much as that was a horrible way of trying to explain the concept, I will provide an example that expressed what I want to sufficiently and coherently explain. A reasonably well-known phrase which was used on a recent recent Batman film by Christopher Nolan, although this won't have uh, won't have been the first use of the phrase, is some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> Recently, I came across this photograph, which was a very clever, in my opinion, use of that phrase, changing it slightly to give it a different meaning based upon the current situation. Some thugs just want to watch the world learn. Um, so learn rhyming rhyming with burn uh which is very clever i was wondering if there's a word that describes the creative language used here any insight would be much appreciated and um basically people were saying this is like it's the the term uh that describes this phenomenon phenomenon is snow clone 
which Collins defines as a verbal formula that is adapted for reuse by changing only a few words so that the allusion to the original phrase, phrase remains clear. Um, so I'd never heard of a snow clone. And, uh, Neither have I. Yeah. Somebody else was like, it's a pun. But I was like, mm, not right. Not, not quite, though. Right. So, I'm glad that you found something. There was a term for it. Um, yeah. And I feel like they use those. We have, what, every once a month, we have meetings at the school. And I feel like school, the admin, use those all the time in trying oh, to really? make things sound cool. <laughs> yeah. And all I can think about when, when I think about. Just all, super cringy. No, this, there's an SNL skit with uh, Guy Fieri, and it, I, can't, I can't even remember who it was. It was, um, but he says, We're, it's time to rock out with your hawk out. And that's, <laughs> it's just, that's what I think of when I think of yeah, these, totally. these alternates. But yeah, okay, so a snow clone. Yeah, and I also notated on Genius, yeah, it's, it's basically a sarcastic or ironic way of using the word great. Yeah. 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 So, all right. So we have the, the the scene is set with laying out your debts on the table, right? Uh, and then we get into the second half of this verse. The present is soon replaced in small increments. Attention fades. There's no pausing life. Where you are now will soon be the past. And before you know it, you'll have forgotten your original intentions. The thing that things just move, things in life now move along so quickly that you may have intentions, but... If you don't hold those intentions, you can get so easily distracted. And I think that's what it's talking about there is that the the, the present is not going to be the present for very long. And before you know it, everything has changed. Everyone yeah. else around you, life, your desires. And so that's what Jim's getting at there. What's the uh, thing I was saying? Oh, the Theseus. Theseus is paradox is what I thought of when it said the future is soon replaced. Um, the present is soon replaced. Or the present is soon replaced. Uh, I was like, oh, is this like a Theseus's paradox thing where it's like, um, if an object has had all of its components replaced, remains fundamentally the same object. Ah, so if over the years, you're replacing pieces because they break or something like that. The one that and I think of. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, every piece has been replaced since the original thing was built. Yep. Is it still that thing? And the one that I've, that I've come across is the axe. You change the handle of the axe, mm. and the blade stays the same. The mm -hmm. blade breaks, you change that. Is it still the same axe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I, that, that was, I don't know if he's getting at that there, but it was something I thought of when I read that lyric. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I didn't grasp that, but... The present is soon replaced in small increments. Attention fades. Yeah, it's before you know it. I think it's one of those things where you just get so uh, hyper-focused on one thing that you don't realize that the, the, the grander scheme has changed completely. And you look yeah. back and you go, my goodness. So the last little bit of this verse is, or another one or another way, the house will collect its mark. And I think this one's pretty clear. Is that you, you can try all you want. You won't be able to beat the house. The end is inevitable, and the piper will get paid. And We've talked about... Twilight Zone a lot on this. One of my favorite episodes, and I think we even talked about this particular episode, is uh, a man and woman win a trip to Vegas. The man is very uh, 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 tight with the purse strings and doesn't want to gamble, doesn't want to do any of that. His wife is like, we won this trip. It's all free. It's no big deal. Let's do it. And he ends up putting one quarter in a slot machine. And it, the whole thing is like, 
he went with no intention and sure enough he got the bug and ends up gambling all night gambles their fortunes away gambles everything away becomes obsessed with this uh with this uh slot machine and that slot machine can be seen in the florida attraction um can it really yeah of tower of terror um but uh but yeah it's uh one of those things where it's like no matter what the it's already written for you it's in it's inevitable the house is you no matter what you do the house is going to get collect its mark i think the second verse has a lot to do with that last line yes so we'll get in there right after the chorus okay yeah, yeah. good call so here's the chorus is how do we keep making all the same mistakes we'd rather have the misery than growing pains <laughs> so um why is history repeating why are we doomed to make these same mistakes fighting the current is hard and it's just so much easier to give in Right. So we'd rather have the misery. We'd rather just go with that. The status quo of everyone does it this way. I've never thought of it going any other way. Why would I go against the grain? Uh, and so that's that's what they're talking about. It's like what you don't make. It's, it's tough to make the hard decisions. It's tough to make those choices that go against the general consensus and be that outlier. Uh, and then also growing pains can easily be conflated <laughs> right that's right with, with family with, ties. With, with family ties <laughs> I, I always what was okay what was the one where the the kid falls out of the window in the opening scene is that growing pains or is that family ties he climbs out the window like and just drops the, um, down it's like in the in the show open the show open right well family ties was always based on the photographs Oh so yeah, it's got to be growing pains. Then I, I don't remember the growing pains. Maybe I was mistaken. Open. All right, well, you know what we got to do? Hold on, <laughs> I got to put this. <laughs> I got to put this and watch together. Okay, just so yeah. we can distinguish this. So you're finding the growing pains. Open? I got the go- growing pains. Yes. Okay, I'll pull up Family Ties. Okay, go ahead. Go on, open it up. Let's see. Originally aired September 30th, 1986. Show me that smile. Ah. Oh, the goat. Oh, man. I mean, here's the thing. is easily conflated because they're going through... Oh. He was the best. All right, this is Kirk Cameron. Tracy Gold. You know who wrote this theme song? That man right there. Yeah, I don't think. Maybe I was mixed up with just the opening, the outside. So you're saying that Family Ties has the... So also, so that was Family Pictures, or pictures of them growing up. And then this is uh, the second season show open for uh, Family Ties, which is... It does have clips from the show. I bet we've been together for a million years. You know, I was a family ties house. And I bet we'll be together for a million more. Go 
it's like I started Justine Bateman. On the night we kissed. Oh my god. And I can't remember. This was a heavy, heavy show. Like, I don't remember Growing Pains all that much. But, like, I think in the first two episodes, Justine Bateman gets molested by her uncle. Like, it's nuts. so good maybe i'm thinking of it, another one like you're looking i'm looking at who's the boss who yeah. I, it doesn't matter maybe it was too many cooks is what you're maybe, maybe it was too many too cooks. many cooks which was a take on all these 80s right. and 90s sitcom yeah uh, I, I, i'll tell you what open. though i know uh growing pains opening thing way better than family ties yeah family ties i think was the more serious of the family sitcoms yeah, I'm telling you, man. Justine Bateman gets molested in the first like episode or two, Jeez. and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> in the pilot or the first official episode? It's like in the first couple episodes, yeah. man. It's man. heavy, 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 heavy stuff on that show. But also really funny stuff. I remember one time, <laughs> I feel like Justine Bateman's in the hospital for something, but Michael J. Fox, Alex has a uh, crush on one of the nurses, and he's like. Uh, check my pulse. Uh, put your put your finger here and count to what? I don't have a pulse. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> anyway, classic Michael J. Fox and like peak J. Fox too, because he uh, famously shot Back to the Future Nights while shooting Family Ties. So it's like the exact same era and everything. Man, yeah, huge 83. shows. Both of them huge shows. So yes, right. easily conflated. All right, so now we're getting into the verse where you think that the clear. It I believe clarifies, the right? second verse collects on that last line of the first verse. The house will collect its All mark. right, one way or another, the house will collect its mark. So here is verse two. I chose a mystery. Went there alone intentionally. Perhaps they chose to come off as the mysterious type, or maybe they're not looking toward the future intentionally. This is a decision they made for themselves, cast as this specific character in the scenario. I think that's just like a personal decision. Like, I choose not to live my life this one way. Uh, And then the second half is, I had to forgive myself for grieving imaginary loss. They fabricated a sadness or a problem that never existed, and maybe they were ashamed of this. I was thinking, like, he was choosing a fate. What fate was he going to choose? One of a murder mystery but he's going to go by himself so as not to be dead, uh, uh, be killed on this murder mystery. Because he knows but that that's inevitable. Because he's on this group. murder mystery, he needs to feign a loss of some sort. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know what the context was or why he would do that, but that was my that was where my mind went. Right. And it's, it's hard to say otherwise when you say, I chose a mystery. Like, that's right. the type. That's the style. Right. So this last half of this second verse is, you'll pay with a life not lived... You'll pay with each thought what could have been. If you don't choose your path and your own destiny or density, right, (laughs) then you'll regret it later. If you don't make yourself happy, like if not, if you're not happy now, then when? (laughs) Right. (laughs) To quote a great incubus song. (laughs) Was that morning view? Were you Uh, an incubus? No. If not now, when will I? Um, Probably a crow left and then a murderer or something like that. Oh, Okay. Newer stuff. I'm one of those weird ones that only likes our older stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Susie likes science on purpose, and I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, couldn't, I could not get into that one. 
Um, uh, yeah, my thought there was this person went to avoid people and avoid consequence thinking. And I think I link, I think I liken this to the twilight zone, uh, in my notations here, they went into solitary confinement, essentially. And even then there's a debt to be paid. You might go thinking you've removed all conflict from your life. But now here you are not living your life. And is that a win? You're paying right. for a life not lived. And you're paying for all these things you're not doing because you've decided to go live in solitary. And I feel like Jim in other songs has talked about living. And, and, and it's almost one of those things where you reach this point when you become wise you, you with age, with time. Mm-hmm. And not making those decisions to carpe diem, right? And just live life. Uh, I feel like he did that because he wanted to be a musician in the very beginning. And now he realized that when it's almost like when you reflect back on it, you go, I'm glad I made that decision. Had I not, who knows where I would have been. So in his songs now, he reflects on that and says, look, I would suggest you do what your heart says. Uh, and then, uh, but this is one of those where it feels like whether or not you choose to do this or you, if you chose not to do this, it's almost like there's this double-edged sword where you, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like, you're going to look back and say, man, I missed out. Or you look back and say, what would life have been had I not made all these rash decisions going forward? But really, I mean, he remarks, and we'll get on this, right? We'll talk about what he actually admitted the song to mean. But you're right. This Did I get on the last two lines here? No, of this? Yeah, there's two more, yeah. Okay, all right. And maybe this, this will expose a little bit more is that though nothing adds to the cost like missing the ride you're on. And I think this means it doesn't matter what ride you're on, right? A or B, you're still going to pay that debt. Why not make it a life worth living? If it's the choice that you didn't make or if it's the choice that you did make and wondering back on what would things have been had I lived the life where I got a family or if I had chosen the life where I was a you know, jet setter and I was out living life. And I, it's... There's and, always going to be a debt. You're you always going to be in the back. middle of this ride. It just takes some time. <laughs> yeah, the one song that the I'm surprised that he asked if that guy asked about 23. It's like, what if he asked about the middle? Do you guys get tired of playing the middle? Yeah. <laughs> what does Jimmy question. World mean? Yeah, God, there. See, I'm <laughs> I'm almost closing my eyes. I'm pulling a Zach. <laughs> so there it is. There's the the second verse. The only other verse that's different. It says verse on. Oh yeah, let me note it. Let me let me. Yeah, make that should be bridge, there. right? Bridge. Yeah. So this bridge is, gentlemen, place your debts. I wish you good luck, but luck isn't in. And I think this is this could be a fresh set of players. This guy saying it's almost like going to St. Peter at the gates, right? It's just a new group of people coming in. Hey, come on in. It's like open house at school. It's like, come on mm-hmm. in. I'll take you. I'll tell you the same story I told the group before. Yeah. And he's just saying, luck isn't in. Like, he would say things are going to be okay, but they likely won't. Luck is not in. There's no, there's no luck in this. It's going to be what it is. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be grungy. And that's that's what this night's going to be like, or this your, the rest of your life. Uh, and the final two lines that are unique here is, the, the driver and passenger don't go the same place, which I think is very interesting here. It's like, what yeah, you want I did for not yourself. I really know how to interpret that line. What you want for yourself in your mind and what happens in real life may likely be two different things. I see the driver. Mm. When I thought of it, the driver and the passenger is the the brain and the the body. What you want and where you go could be two completely different places. 
you know, you've said so many things that remind me of, have you ever seen the Albert Brooks Meryl Streep film, Defending Your Life? I have not. I wasn't a huge Albert Brooks guy. <gasps> I watched one My or two of his films, word. man. Let me look. Let me look at this guy. I know he made some good movies. Which one did I see? Defending Your Life is incredible, Justin. So it sounds a lot like what you described. Every day, a new tram full of people show up at Judgment City. All these people have recently died. They go through, they get checked into their hotel where they then are put on trial. They review several days from their life in a, in a theater with a lawyer, a prosecutor, <laughs> and three judges, and they watch scenes from their life, and they determine whether or not this person can go on to, the, to beyond or if they need to go back to Earth and try again. And basically get reborn as a new person. Whoa. Come back and see. It's such a good movie, Justin. And Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep fall in love. And she lives. She lived this like insanely picture perfect. Like who lives a life like this type of life. And Albert Brooks makes all the stupid mistakes we all make. <laughs> like he he goes in to negotiate a, a raise for his job. And he practices with his wife the night before. And he's like, I can't take a penny under $45,000. And then it cuts to the next day. <laughs> he's like, we're prepared to offer you $30,000. Great, I'll take it. <laughs> it's like just like all the shit that we all do it uh, in real life. And they have to come to terms with the fact that they may not be going to the same place together in the end. Anyway, defending your life. Gotta watch it. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, muted, the the... Got Rip Torn's in this? He's his lawyer. Oh, there he is. <laughs> He's his lawyer. He's good, though. He's really good. Yeah. 91. Wow. It's, it's, it was like one of the first like films I remember seeing that wasn't like, you know, made for kids. I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theaters, like with my dad. Yeah. Well, you know what I always thought? Anytime I saw Albert Brooks, I thought this is Ben Savage's dad. It was basically Ben Savage adult, right? Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Yeah. Very much like, yeah, very much Corey from uh, from Boy Meets World. Yeah. Oh, like totally. Older, like <laughs> makes all like the same dumb possible, you know, dumb life choices. It's really, really good. And like all I ever think is like I kind of like hope that life is like that. Like you 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 sum up everything at the end and you see like how it sifts out. Yeah. And, and they'll even ask you like, oh, how many days are you looking at? Uh. 10 days 10 days <laughs> you're looking at 10 days <laughs> oh, it's such a good movie justin it's incredible they you can go to the past lives pavilion where you put your hand on a plate and it shows you all the people you've been in the past yeah. life oh yeah <laughs> the past lives plate well i mean they don't really describe that they just they, they talk about going to the past lives pavilion and like seeing like who they were in a past life <laughs> like one old man like He's a little girl, and she's playing with a dolly on the ground. He's like, oh, mama. And he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's so good. Anyway, this has been Film Talk. Yeah. <laughs> so there it is. Place your debts. All right. Okay, yeah, those, those, are, those are the lyrics. There they are. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, we and like I said, we we notated a bunch up on... Uh, on uh, Genius. So yeah. If you want extra credit, you can go to genius.com. All right. Shall we jump into track notes? You got anything Let's, cool that you uh, came across? 
You know, there was so much. I, I feel like the all the newer tracks. I mentioned this before. They, there was so much um, just press about it. So there's a lot of the same sound bites, right? Let's see if there was anything unique that I came across. Yeah, for sure. Nothing. You know what? Let's read this one because I thought this was interesting on the topic of chat GPT. This was from <laughs> GSGM. So this is gsgmedia.co. Jimmy World, Place Your Debts, single review, four out of five stars. Place Your Debts by Jimmy World. Jimmy World are making their way back up the rock ranks with their latest single, Place Your Debts. The new song is like a soothing balm for your ears, continuing in the familiar vein of Jimmy World's music. The band have been making waves in the music industry, etc., etc., captivate listeners. Stunning atmospheric. The production of Place Your Debt features a <laughs> wide variety of sounds and textures, making a work of art that is just stunning. In addition, the lead singer, Jim Atkins, begins the tune with a vocal delivery that is both delicate and substantial. His voice layers atop a gliding synth lead that gradually builds in intensity as the song proceeds. It almost resembles a sunrise that ushers in a new day. David, I read this, this this was probably like fifth or sixth article down that I read. I felt like this entire article was written by ChatGPT. I know this is way before. I keep wanting to say something. Like a soothing balm for your ears. It's like how, you know, because there's there's the sources, right? The sori that will take a word and convert it. This is like a, like how do you say, which is pleasing to your ears. No, they say like a soothing balm for your ears. Classic. I thought that was interesting. So Emily, photo credits Stefan Brenning, but words by Emily Harris. I don't know how true that is. Is Emily Harris a real person? <laughs> right. E- Emily, ChatGPT, make me a weird uh, or a, a, a you know a regular named person, but a strange article. That was the weirdest one I came across. <laughs> Do you have anything special? Um. So uh, let, let's start with that same bit that I that we listened to. I'm going to jump 45 seconds into this. Uh, this interview from the Audacity Music Festival. Hey now, and uh, and see what hey Jim now, has to say. So let's jump to forty-five. Right We're here at the oh my God, this guy! Called Place Your Debts. It started. It started in the early days of the pandemic, as uh, like a kind of mail by mail sort of collaboration with some some uh, some friends of ours. And Postal servicey. Oh, very. Um, you know, over time, it just sort of evolved into what became a Jimmy Eat World song. Um, you know, I think Placer Debts and the single we put out before that, Something Loud, it's really just the, it kind of covered, those, both songs covered the, the, everything we really do as a band, you know, I think there's a part of us that identifies as the 14-year-old metal kids who just likes to shred and go fast, you know, and then there's a, there's a part of us that really wants to explore texture and, you know, make, make something cool and forget about like recreating it in any way we're just like chasing the sound that we are excited about and you know place your debts kind of falls in that in that camp i wonder if that means that there's not really any uh, plans to ever play this live right. <laughs> kind of a cool jam that's it's more about of a it. vibe than anything we're ever gonna yeah. play <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like five 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 right like there was never yeah an intention to come out with like a guitar and <laughs> right. And so now it's become his, his yeah. little uh, acoustic break in between the whole, yeah. the middle of the set. Right. 
And then continuing like more specific on the lyrics on Genius, there was a bit that somebody had written. I wish I had copied and pasted uh, what the who who it was. But um, it says, opening up about the meaning of place your debts, Atkins said, the debt you rack up is the time you spend avoiding doing the work to know yourself. You buy an ending every time you start something, and the cost is determined by how closely you pay attention to your personal condition. So I think that's a good, uh, I had to read it very slowly to follow what he was saying, because I think it's written the way he said it out loud. Right. But, um. I think it tracks with what we interpreted from the lyrics, which is good. Uh, yeah. Uh, is, is either we're getting good at understanding Jim or this was very straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then l- let's go down the rabbit hole of how the song was released because I did tease that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I had to go to the archive.org to pull up this Reddit post because it's since been deleted. But... Uh, Jimmy Eat World, Place Your Debts, July 22nd, 2022. And it's interesting. I think even though I resurrected this from the dead, it does not tell me who the OP was. Um, yeah, interesting. Even So archive.org doesn't keep the names of the com- commenters or anything. It, How? It's, I, that, that's it's so weird. weird. It, it's just dots. Like, it does link to OP. Like, I can – somebody is tagged with OP. So I can see a comment from them, but there's no usernames or anything on this. That's interesting. Yeah, very. Um, so somebody says, hang on, what? Maybe something loud wasn't a one-off like I thought. Uh, question mark, exclamation, exclamation, question, question, explanation, <laughs> exclamation. <laughs> um, somebody says, this is OP's first post. Could be a mock-up they did for fun because uh, they posted the artwork. Um, uh, the track name is legit, but was already known by many. The watermark looks the same. As in Kiwi's usual post, could be an alt and OP comments. Got it from the safe sources, the user who posted the something loud cover. I don't have enough time or skill to make a legitimate looking mock-up. Um, so, uh, yeah. One thing I will say is the first time I ever saw the Place Your Debts artwork, never did I see the band on the lower half of the sketch. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw the, the, we'll talk about what the structure is behind them. Um, it's right around the corner from the dojo my sister works at. I hope oh, yeah. I'll see it next time in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause it's so moody. Like this is the, also, I should say that the, uh, we are going to have on the show. We're gonna have two guests on this episode. Hell yes. Um, because we also are going to get the, uh, the artist who took the photo for the cover here. But anyway, I never saw the band on there the first time. So when the, when I bought the track from Koba's later, um uh I was like, oh, the artwork's different. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was the first thing we ever heard about the track, other than that the 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 name of the track was listed on the ASCAP website. So we knew that a track with that name. There's a couple other ones floating around that we haven't heard yet. Um, but that was one of the names. So we knew it was a potential thing that was gonna come out. Then the artwork leaked, and but somebody posted it with the date. And so that was the first we heard. And then there was the uh, Craig Manning versus Zach Lind uh, thing oh my on God, Chorus you're FM. Up right now, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, great. So uh, because that thing got teased, 
Craig, who was a previous guest of the pod, says, I've said it before that there's no way for a band to lose my interest more quickly than saying we're not going to release any singles from now on. If Jimmy Eat World keeps making songs as good as Something Loud, we'll see. But yeah, extraordinarily bummed about that statement. Oh, this is less about the announcement of something uh, of uh, Place Your Debts coming out, but more that there was a thing that had come out that they were kind of like, eh, I don't know, are we going to do a record? Like only if it's going to be full of bangers that we love. Um, but we might as well talk about this because it's the same month um, that all this happened. Uh, but yeah, extraordinarily bummed about that statement. The last two albums don't necessarily have a ton of my favorite Jimmy World songs, but they're both cohesive thematic statements that I found incredibly moving when taken as a whole. I think if we'd just gotten those songs piecemeal, they wouldn't mean as much to me. And Zach comes in randomly on Chorus of yeah, right. <laughs> This is, uh, thing is, none of us have ever said we aren't interested in releasing albums in the future. I think we all need to do some comprehensive reading exercises. <laughs> this tracks so much with his <sighs> back, yeah, reaction to that. Dude. The exhale, cl- eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for now, we are doing this. Truth is, after our touring cycle for Surviving Vanished into Thin Air, the band Body Clock needs uh, some time to adjust. In the end, the thing that probably... Uh, guides what we do is the music more than anything else. If the pieces feel like they are fitting together in a cohesive vision, then that usually points to a larger collection of tunes. Sometimes, especially after releasing five albums in a row without an EP or a major standalone single release, it's nice to try something different. And everybody was like up in arms like, oh my god, Zach put Craig in his place. Oh, They didn't even know who Craig was. They were just right. like, Zach put this fool in his place and blah 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 blah. And I was like, mm, they've talked in the past like we've read interviews between the two of them so it's like uh are, is that really what people are taking away from this um and oh it's interesting i totally thought i had uh copied and pasted the other side of it do you have the second half of that the second now oh, i'm looking down are you talking about going down the the thread yeah i'm I looking had, at I it i copied and pasted a link um is it craig ahead. manning's response there's Craig's response and then oh, yeah, Zach's for, response. Yeah, yeah, so I have, thanks for clarifying, Zach. I think we all probably overreacted here. Ha, I definitely hold the album as an art form near and dear to my heart. And historically, I've his, I've struggled when artists I follow switch over to the single approach. Couple that trend with a broader listenership that is all singles all the time, and I tend to get a little precious about that sh- this shit. But I totally get why losing a touring cycle and coming off of a long span of albums every three years would necessitate a break in the pattern every once in a while. Sorry to be a Debbie Downer. For what it's worth, I really do love Something Loud. Feels like a fresh new direction for you guys. Looking forward to hearing whatever comes next. And then I did find Zach's response. Good. Uh, and this is all on July 12th. So all yeah. that same time period of when uh, this song got, uh, Place Your Debts got announced and released, uh, but not officially. <laughs> all good, uh, says Zach. Let's be honest. This debate between albums versus smaller releases are not bad are not had internally in a band that has 12 cohesive bangers in the bag. (laughs) This is a direction we are taking after being honest with ourselves and our limitations coming out of COVID. It's possible whatever we release could be physically packaged in a way that makes sense, but we don't know that quite yet. This will all probably make more sense when you hear Place Your Debts. So there's interesting. I guess, yeah, if you take the lyrics of Place Your Debts and apply it to what Zach is talking about, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, why uh, why say you're going to put out an album and before you know that you have an album's worth of material? Right. 
And for a yeah, for a band that knows this, they've been in the game thirty years practically. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah, I think that's very. It, and maybe he was like, uh, what is it called? Shooting from the hip with his response, just because mm-hmm. it was it was a very. It, whether or not you knew Craig Manning, it sounded like a very personal response yeah. to it. It's like this is my personal. Um. This is my experience with yeah. bands that say I'm going to start doing singles, and I get it, but I feel like. Jimmy World did it for the right reasons, and they said they're yeah. only doing it because they have not talked about when that album, if an album is going to come out. Yeah. So I did confirm, yes, July 11th is when Place Your Debts artwork hit Reddit, and the track was announced and was supposedly going to be released 11 days later. The 12th was between Craig and Zach on Chorus FM forums. I bought the track. It did come out on Koba's on the 22nd. It's so funny how, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. I could have sworn it was out for a month before I was finally like, well, yeah. I guess I'll just buy it. Dude, I bought it on the 25th. <laughs> I just couldn't wait. I was like, I guess I'm just going to like spend a dollar six. And if it's not real, it's not real. And it was real. So I bought it on 725, shared it with you, put it up on our Google yeah. Drive with our friends. And we were all just kind of like, I guess here's this song that they're going to not release. <laughs> like it was only available on this one website. It was no so wild. Bought. That one yeah, platform. 24 bit. But it was forty four one, so it was like you know pretty high res, but it was still you know whatever it was. So, um, so yeah, that was the only way we had it until it was finally released. Oh, and then uh, well, let's keep going down that rabbit hole. So somebody tweets at Zach on uh, so July twenty first, the day before Place Your Debts is supposedly going to come out. Seven digits. Thanks for listening. I'll tell your friends. So something loud had just hit one million streams. On Spotify, I assume, because he's got this uh, information. Oh, yes, he does say at Spotify. Um, Jordan, uh, at XJawDSX, uh, on that same day, says, Zach, 22nd here in New Zealand. Any idea when the tune will drop, when the new tune will drop? And he says, not today. And uh, then sad face. So uh, that was Zach denying that it was going to happen. So everybody was kind of like, all right, well, I guess it's not going to happen. Um, and, uh, and then it finally dropped, like I said, on, uh, October 19th, 2022. I do think fall is a more appropriate time to release a track like that. Something loud, let it live on in the spring and summer. And then totally uh, place your dads be that winter fall, uh, album. Yeah. Um, and did you see, uh, Jim Atkins post on October 18th, 2022, the one that we liked with uh, double hands up and. Fire is this on Instagram? This was yes. his idea, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Go ahead and read that. So this is Jim Atkins saying, New Jams, Place Your Debts, song about the battle to be present on the singular path you've chosen amongst the cosmic number of paths you, you declined. Sometimes that means being at peace with how often you use prepositions on social media. Thanks heaps once again for Justin Meldell Johnson for coming back to Unit 2 to help us drink all the bubbly and workshop Line 6 Pedal Memes, Photography Pop Narcotic. So as soon as I saw a Pop Narcotic tag there, boom, went right out. over to Pop Narcotic's page, reached out and said, hey, man, would you be interested in jumping on the pod? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So he, <laughs> Hell that should be yes. one of our two interviews on this episode. Um, and that'll be cool because uh, this is a mood, man. Yeah, it like totally I looked is. at this. It didn't look familiar. I'm pretty familiar with Phoenix area. Um, but uh, but I was just I just do not recognize it. Now, the second image um, does look like, you know. I guess the you know it's a black and white photo as opposed to this 
blue. Like, I don't know. Like, it just looks, it looks more, more like illustration than actual photography. Right. Um, uh, but then I, uh, we'll talk more about some of the other posts and, and wh- where this location is. But like I said, it's around the corner from the dojo my sister works at. I was like, how have I never <laughs> seen this place before? <laughs> um, anything else about Jim's post here? No, I'm just looking through where he posts. I, I love where he picks these posts to be. So the, this one was Phoenix Mountain Preserves Trail 100. That, right. Remember that time? It reminds me of when he had posted the uh, the Simi Valley one. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the Santa Claus. Yeah, thing. Santa Claus. And it could, comes up as Simi. I thought, nah, he's not out here. Yeah. So I was just looking at that. No, nothing else. Uh, uh, here's JMJ's post. Um, very pleased to announce a new single from Jimmy World called Place Your Debts. Songs like this are extra interesting to work on because they can almost become a microcosm of an album. A lot of the ambition, detail, and even the emotional arc can be contained within a much smaller form. Fans of the band may also feel echoes of some of our work on Integrity Blues here. I co-produced and mixed. Link in bio. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool that uh, JMJ did a whole post about it. Um there's also Jimmy World did an Instagram post. Uh, let's see how much of this is the same that I don't think it, Jim copied and pasted. There's a different <laughs> blurb. Uh, Place Your Debts is out now. Listen and watch at the link in the bio. Short story. Whenever you start something, you buy an ending. Keeping the cost down is to be present in your time along the way. Interesting. Keeping your cost down is to be present in your time along the way. Because you're always going to pay, man. What are you going to pay? Yeah. A hundred bucks, you're gonna pay twenty bucks. And I think that's right. just being being. I I like and and I feel like this when when you talk, um, just based on what the time that you had scheduled with, uh, T W Walsh with Tim Walsh, mm-hmm. right? Um, I feel Tim. like his outlook on life, his perception of life and what he teaches, um, is gonna be is very much in line with that with being present and being a good person and understanding that look I've made a decision and I'm going to live with my decision and be happy in this moment and be a good person going forward and I think that's what Jim was saying it's just like paying the least amount right taking advantage of what you what you're doing in this moment and not squandering it and living it to its fullest yeah so very much like some there's a parallel there between Tim and um and Jim team. Um, oh, Zach also posted a picture on Instagram of his drum setup for this song. Did you see this? You know, the, uh, I probably not. The, the one that I saw recently was the one that he had made the drum cave. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost wondered, I had to compare the two images to see if, uh, this was the same, but no, this is just a different set. There it here. is. Ah, uh, yes. Look at that. He's got the drape over this, the, uh, hi hat, huh? Yeah. So, also pretty. I love seeing their process here. You got a oh, me too. Like what is that? A Carl's Jr. cup down there, <laughs> and and no, it looks like Popeyes. Is it Popeyes? Yeah, there yeah. you there you go. And is that and a, uh, a generic like cola? <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. Or it's like one of those uh, sparkling water. Brands yeah, it's probably sparkling anyway. water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then okay, so here's some information that Zach posted to Twitter here. Um. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, T.W. Walsh's remix. Uh, he posts about the remix, which was released November 30th, 2022. I love this remix so much. All hail T.W. Walsh and posts the artwork for uh, the remix. Place your debts. 
T.W. Walsh remix. Then it's a, uh, Zach says, if you look closely on the artwork for Place Your Debts, you can see the black pyramid on top of the building we are standing on. Any Phoenicians might recognize that location. The building used to be a church, and that was the steeple. When you look at it from the Google satellite image on the property, you can see that the steeple from above uh, in its original color scheme, that's the inspiration for the remix cover art and the visual, the video visualizer, smiley face. Ooh. And so when Zach posted this, I saw, okay, Arizona Kings Volley Ball Club, the Pyramid Sports Complex, and uh, and I, I looked up where that was because his image is very cropped in. And it's just like right there in the middle of the city, like... Yeah, <laughs> like I said, it's in, it's in Paradise Valley. Like, <laughs> no big deal. Um, so I want to, I want to, like I said, I'll go and snap a photo over there next time I'm in in old Phoenix Town. Phoenicians. Yeah. Um, is there anything else? Oh, further info in the comments. I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, Nate Wirt, uh, at Wirt underscore Nate says so. Two things: the name of the church was the Capstone Cathedral. The green thing was literally supposed to be a capstone, as there was some extremely heavy, heavy Masonic influences on the cult that occupied the place. Did I mention it used to be painted gold? Two, the belief in what made it a cult was that Jesus would return, land on that green capstone, and walk down the side of the pyramid to greet members of the congregation, and only those members. Another version had the thing opening and people floating up there there's a rabbit hole you can fall down if you want to but i don't really recommend it it gets batshit crazy in a hurry like the fact that a former nfl player was handed the church and the house yes the guy built his house nearby and yeah it gets super insane fast this is why it creeped me the hell out when i walked in there sometime around 2000 it's one thing to know all this crazy crap it's another to walk in and smell the place, as well as the weirdly heavy feel it had to it. So, yeah, what a weird place. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I don't know anything. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if Nate Ward is just like a weird religious zealot that like is not a fan of organized religion and is saying all these things. Or if it's got just like a funky, weird vibe. Right. <clears throat> Bad juju. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to. I, you know, what? I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. I want to. I Do want it. to believe. Um, <laughs> okay, so that is what I have for track notes. Do you want to tell me a little bit about T.W. Walsh and we can check out Let's his do remix? this. So I love this. I went onto his website, right? And mm-hmm. this is how he starts it off. And I what I only learned this term last year about T.W. Walsh. I'm a polymath and a generalist. <laughs> polymath. Mm. I love it. So having worked professionally as an engineering leader, musician, and songwriter, audio engineer, producer, and coder, I also make visual art and write essays, prose, and poetry. Sounds very much cut from the same cloth as as me. Um, <laughs> he is just a few years older than me, but uh, goes on to say, over the past decade, I've dedicated my attention to developing a spiritual perspective, having studied and practiced within the traditions of Indo-Tibetan Buddhism, Bon, and Western esotericism esotericism i have a holistic view of the dharma as a path of transformation recently i've been guiding others in their own developmental journeys 
uh, and then goes on to just uh, describe a few other things about him. He's got a BS in computer science from Northeastern University. Just seems like a really interesting dude. I'm excited about what uh, what comes from that conversation that you have. Yeah, um, it should be cool. With him. Um, also, so he was in uh, <laughs> Pedro the Lion. I think, you, what did you say to me that you, you kind of figured that I would know about that? Like um, the band, yeah, you guess I'm like not surprised. Obscure... Like Pedro the Lion is somebody. I, I think that's a band that Josiah from 155 Pod is always talking oh, about. Oh, is he? Yeah, and I... he only likes their old stuff. So uh, it's got to be the TW Walsh era stuff. Right? It's got to be. Yeah. So he showed up in. God, let me go back. Me, I'm going to go to the Wikipedia page because it started in '95 with David Bazan, right? But then in 2004, here it is, Achilles' heel follows. So that was their. Uh, was that their second album? Released on May 24th, 2004, and marked the beginning of Bazan's partnership with T.W. Walsh as the band's primary writers and musicians. Bazan described the tracks in the fourth, fourth full-length, there it is, fourth, from Pedro the Lion as a return to the songwriting characterized by Friend and the Secure EP, in the sense that there was no pretense of anything bigger, an allusion to his previous concept album. So um, just kind of reading about what David Bazan was doing, I think his second and third if not the first and second, it had a couple of concept albums, which is like an interesting thing. I feel like there's certain albums in Weezer in Weezer's discography that you could say like this is a concept album. But um, so that's what he was exploring as a musician. So started in '95, and then he went with Pedro the Lion, got T.W. Walsh on board, and then for another couple of years they amicably split. Amicably, yeah, that's right. Uh, split and then what, what's nicer? Where does it say it here? Uh, Bazan said that their friendship has been strengthened by the breakup, which sounds just like, look, we're. It, it seems like creative minds that know what they want and still remain friends and want to collaborate and still work on things, but it just seemed like Pedro the Lion had run its course, and that's what they agreed yeah. on. So he went through there. He went through Pedro the Lion. What else do I have for him? Um. What was public radio? Oh, Toe you know what? Mom, or let's, Low let's, Tom. Do you want to listen to his, like a little bit of his top track? It was public radio. Yeah. This is, I went to T.W. Walsh. Here, let's listen to this. This is, um, I picked this one. This was public radio. This is the fourth on the list of suggested tracks, top tracks uh, for T.W. Walsh. Here we go. This is public radio. We'll listen to a little bit of this. music yeah still haven't watched it (gasps) 
Pretty good, huh? Yeah, I really dug that. Yeah. Dude, and, he was in Pedro the Lion at the same time as Ben Gibbard. Is that Ben Gibbard talent? played bass for Pedro the Lion in the year 2000? You are right. There it is. There it is, man. And you know what's wild is I went onto David Bazan's site and you go to the front page. Pedro the Lion is touring. But check this out. I thought this was so cool and very unique. Uh, this was posted on July 19th, 2022 by Pedro the Lion. Hosts, hosts needed Pedro the Lion solo September, October, November 2022. Hello, friends. We're looking for people to host Pedro the Lion solo shows in September, October, November 2022. We'll make this easy as possible. All you have to do is let us borrow your living room for approximately three hours and check in guests at the door upon arrival. In return, you'll get five free tickets for your friends and eternal gratitude. Um, isn't that wild that a band? I feel like David Bazan and Pedro the Lion don't need that. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's really unique. They yeah, got their own cool... house shows, man. Yeah. I mean, they were going all the way. Um, these And this was last year, but um, it was looked like 24 shows. Asheville, Detroit. Uh, New Orleans, Denver. So it's like kind of cool to think that they could have played just living room shows. And yeah. you got David Bazan in there. Uh, yeah. But they do have I've an official. I've never been like, I, 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 like, David Bazan is the classic, like, I've heard of him, but never heard right. any music of his. <laughs> right. But they're doing an official tour now. So they're doing, uh, in 2023, uh, uh, as of, I want to say as of January, this year, 1998's It's Hard to Find a Friend and 2002's Control turned 25 and 21 years old, respectively, to celebrate Dave along with guitar player Eric Walters and drummer Terrence Ankeny uh, will play every song from each album on tour. And it's a big tour. Probably like, I'd say 30 spots, man. Mm. All over. They're going to be out here in LA on July 20, or June 26th, the day before my birthday there, at the Lodge Room. Mmm. Lodge room where? Where's the lodge That's room? That's on live music venue, L.A., California, one north. Where is it? Is it Bigfoot Lodge? No. It says lodge oh, room. Yeah. Is the Masonic Lodge in, at the Hollywood Forever? <laughs> yeah, the Loyal Order of Moose. <laughs> well, no, no, no. There is a Masonic Lodge at yeah. the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I saw Jim play there. I wonder if you put in lodge room venue. Yeah. Where the heck is it? Lodge room. Home. Lodge room. Lodge room. Venue Masonic Lodge, is it? Uh, yeah, but it's on the uh, Avenue Fifty Six, second floor. Where is that? What is this address? The five hundred capacity room is located in Old Highland Park. Highland Park, yeah, the Masonic Lodge. The venue features a oh, lobby bar. You know, this is near. Um, this is going to be near Highland Park Bowl. Okay, this is not far from um Donut Friend, probably. Oh. Okay. That would be my guess, anyway. Directions. Let's see how far it is from Donut Friend. Donut Friend, York Boulevard. Uh, further than you would think. But yes, definitely like a area of LA I do not spend a lot of time in. <laughs> it's just way too hip for me. Yeah. Yeah. Not far from Dodger Stadium, though. It's a four-minute drive from Donut Friend. Very close, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so they're playing. They're still out, and uh, maybe yeah. that's what uh, T.W. Walsh will talk about a little bit. If he's yeah. still involved at all with them, I, he'll probably talk more about Jimmy World, I'm sure. But well, that's what. Yeah, I'm going to talk to him about yeah. how he got involved with the band and yeah. all that type of stuff. So uh, we'll see how well I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I'm glad I got this primer, though, and I won't go into it sounding like a complete moron. <laughs> um, hey, I'm not familiar so there you with have any it. of your work at all. There's um, T.W. Walsh and uh, yeah. David Bazan, Pedro the Lion. So before we listen to a little bit of the Place Your Debts T.W. Walsh remix, here's what the band had to say on their Instagram when they posted about this release on November 30th, 2022. Uh, to me, Place Your Debts sounds like a long-lost 80s maximalist anthem. The original track has a nostalgic and classic feel. It's a killer song. I tried to reimagine it as if it came from an alternative dark timeline of minimalism, drum machines, tape loops, and analog synths. Like disco, night at the arcade, dancing into the apocalypse, says T.W. Walsh. Hit the link below to listen. Hell yeah. What a great caption. And now I have something to go off of it when I talk to him. <laughs> um, let's take a listen to a little bit of the uh of it. I'll I'll put the uh visualizer in the yes. watch together here. Thank you. As long as we've got each other gentlemen place your debts payment in full a future year I think we can all agree the ending is off to a great start Present is soon replaced in small increments. Attention fades one or another way. The house will collect its mark. How do we keep so funny having the context of the other track i'm like yeah dude i dig this yeah me too <laughs> it allows you to get into it more yeah man damn needed that tw walsh context yeah <laughs> oh man what a joy um question uh, um since we're talking visualizers we yeah. can talk about the music video that jim shot and directed himself and it took me i was two days ago years old when I realized that the video is chronological. Oh, it is? Dude, it, these like random, well, I'll talk about them. I, I, it was one of these dudes. Um, like these like metalheads react to Jimmy World's new song. And they were like, oh, it's pretty cool. It's like you're just going through the day with him. And then it's now it's nighttime. And I was like, wait, what? And <laughs> I think it's chronological. Like not necessarily, obviously, he's not traveling to all these places in the span of one day. But, like, the way he put it together, it starts off in the morning and ends at night. It's pretty great. Um, so let's watch uh, a little bit of this. Uh, this makes for great uh, uh, audio content. But now everybody can hear the regular song as well. But um, uh, let's talk about the music video. 
Jimmy World, Place Your Debts, Official Video, Dawn. This is a great exercise in framing. It looks like Jim shot it on his iPhone, but it's really, really well done and yeah. effective. And yeah, all of these look like they're Dawn. That unmistakable Jim Atkins silhouette. I guess I always thought this was just sunset again. Like evening. Gentlemen, place your debts. Payment in full by future year. I think we can all agree. The ending is off to a great start. Unit 2, baby. There it is. This looks like cinematic mode on the iPhone. Yeah, right? Okay, is that him pitched up or is there a woman singing? I think it's him pitched up. I thought about that. I'm going to pause it here. Did you find out about these benches here? No. Okay. So uh, we'll talk about now we can dig into some of the locations here. Okay. These benches, someone suggested, and uh, was backed up later, uh, are where the frightened rabbit singer lost his battle with depression. So um, uh, it's the site of a bench dedicated to the front man of a band called Frightened Rabbit, who sadly took his own life in 2018 after years of battling depression. Jim was a big fan of the band, and I would highly recommend checking them out. The Modern Leper is where I would start, but their most famous music video is probably The Woodpile or Swim Until You Can't See Land. Further information on another video, uh, Protosaurus Rex three months ago says, Been a fan for the last 20 years. You guys keep finding ways to make your beautiful, heart-touching music. I've visited the spot at 219. I know Jim was a fan of Frightened Rabbit, so this was a nice touch. Much love from the UK. And Maddie G says, what's the reference here? I've been a fan of the band for 20 years as well. Speaking of Frightened Rabbit, I'm a thousand days sober today, which is a big deal as I died almost every day for the last four to five years uh, I drank and used. Uh, and Protosaurus Rex says, uh, he's at a park in Glasgow called Kelvingrove Park. At the top of the hill is a row of benches that Jim was sat on. One of them is dedicated to Scott, which was organized and paid for by Frightened Rabbit fans. 
and then says, A Thousand Days Sober is an incredible achievement. Well done. And Maddie G says, Ah, that's an awesome reference and tribute to him. I love it. Thank you so much. It feels pretty awful, but it gets better by the day, honestly. I often listen particularly to I Wish That I Was Sober by Frightened Rabbit and think of how lucky I am, even if it took me nearly a decade in and out of detoxes and rehab. I'm 33 and have opportunities many only could have dreamt of, so I hope that I can keep help a few people along. So that was pretty cool um, to learn that little tidbit because you kind of get wrapped up and you're like, okay, that's pretty cool. Jim travels the, spots, the world. Yeah. He had the forethought to record bits in different spots um, in order to achieve the video, uh, pull it off. Um, so that's pretty cool. I wonder if he took some of the time between July and October to do that. And that's why it got delayed or, or what? Um, but I, I really commend Jim on yeah. the forethought and yeah. basically self-producing and shooting that video. Um, someone also says, I love the Jim chose to include a shot from the Nile theaters back alley in their hometown of Mesa, Arizona, spent so many hours, hours in that alley and went to countless amount of incredible shows there back in the day in the main room in the basement at the underground. Oh, the nostalgia hurts so good. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I figure we could watch a little bit more. Um, there's a cool panning shot, but I wanted to pause it and talk about that stuff here. All right. Yeah. Both good that call. we're halfway through the video and that the the benches have a very uh, s- significant story to tell as well.
There it is. So good. Oh. Ah, the lightning, man. Yeah, man. I love a good brooding gym. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. So well done. I had to look back and double check on what the <laughs> status was of the music video. That, that was my the, other question. So, yeah. you know, you guys did a uh, Facebook group. Yeah. Shot one. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I was interested in where that where that quite. Yeah. And it was quite a coordinated effort. So what uh, Natasha had asked for, I'm sure you saw this, but if anyone that uh, is not part of the group, um, she had asked for a couple of things from each person. So there were certain lines that you needed to request and then say and then also panning shots of your location, so maybe that they, they could use that to cut it. Uh, once she got most of the stuff in, when I, I think I submitted my stuff, I want to say the be like end of last year, I feel mm-hmm. like. And so I just checked again, and so as of five weeks ago, they're waiting on one more person. So it sounds like I feel like it's one of those things where the and she even mentioned like a crew or a group was doing it, like in the back. It's not her editing the whole thing, so it's like a couple of people probably doing it. Um, They've got most of it done. They're just putting on the final touches. So I was hoping that it would have been done before this episode dropped. But you know what? It's going to be soon. I feel like it's it's imminent. So wait, it's well, we'll post about it in the feeds. when. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. When but I'm drops. excited to but see yeah, it. I was hoping like maybe I missed it and I'll find it during my research. But yeah, no, I didn't see it yet. So yeah. All right. So there we go. So it looks like, uh, yeah, just as of a couple months ago, still going on. So it'll be done yeah. soon. Um, let's see. I, I don't know. I found some Metalhead Reacts videos, but everybody everybody generally liked it. Like, I don't know. Maybe we don't need to watch and listen to some other people talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everyone liked it. Yeah. So somebody yeah. said that I almost cried. Um, yeah, pretty good. I don't have any uh, incredible notes that say, oh, we have to watch this. Um, yeah. Uh, so I don't have any covers. Did you find any? I did not find any new. No. Oh, well, let's get into Rave to Jay. If, if, I oh, didn't wait, do uh, one, community. man. I'm excited to hear yours. Oh, wait. Hold on. Let's get into community. Uh, because uh, while it wasn't on JTO's list, he did email us. Oh, um, yes. Good. So let me pull up JTO Donald's. Uh, uh, maybe we can uh, tag team this. Okay. I'll read the it. first couple paragraphs and then you can uh, start a little later. Hey, David Justin, on the subject of place your debts. When I first heard the initial leaked version of the song, I was a little underwhelmed. It felt slow and didn't grab me at all. Maybe I had been spoiled by the immediacy and direct energy of something loud from a few weeks earlier, but Place Your Debts just didn't do it for me. The song was finally officially released in October, and as sometimes happens with Jimmy World songs that don't have striking energetic immediacy, the brilliance of Place Your Debts slowly revealed itself to me. The two new songs Jimmy E. World released in 2022 represent the true yin and yang of the band uh, uh, that the band has spent 30 years cultivating, frenetic on one side and measured on the other, spring and summer on one side, fall and winter on the other, bleed American on one side, clarity on the other. Place Your Debts finds itself firmly on the more thoughtful side of their coin. Jim finds himself trotting philosophical ground, not unfamiliar, since integrity blues, but still spellbinding in its own way here. How do we keep making all the same mistakes? We'd rather have the misery than growing pains. And you pay with the life not lived. You pay with each thought of what could have been, but nothing adds to the cost, like missing the ride you're on. Stood out particularly to me. 
It's so impressive that Jim continues to find ways to challenge himself and his audience lyrically after all these years. The band has many incredible builders throughout through their career. Think songs like Cut, Closer, Kill, and of course, 23. And Place Your Debts stands ably next to them. The beautiful crescendo at the three-minute mark gives me goosebumps every time I listen now. On the question of my top 100, I could see Place Your Debts landing in the 50 to 100 range on an updated list, and possibly in the top portion of that range. At this point in their career, a band like Jimmy World simply should not be able to make a slower rock ballad sound this good. Many similar bands would attempt something like this, and it would sound cheesy, insincere, or cringy. Not Jimmy Eat World. They continue to amaze us. And then he goes on to say, Congratulations to you guys as you near the end of your journey with this podcast, and I continue to be honored to be part of it. All the best, and party on, dudes. (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. Oh, Jake. Jake T. O'Donnell, even though his, his thing, he will always forever be Jake, Jake T. O'Donnell. Right. Uh, yeah. But he put it he put it uh, well that this slow type of song, few bands can really make it hit mm-hmm. the mark that it did like Jimmy World. Can. And just listening to it again, it's like we're, we're bobbing our heads a little bit. But I just think in, in the back of my head, it's like they did it. They yeah. wrote this. I mean, this is them. This is quintessential Jimmy Eat World. Yep. And then the only other thing I got from Community was Futures Vibes, Pleading Face, says MJ on the uh, Last FM shout box. Yeah. Um, Anything, I mean, obviously everybody was excited that it was coming out all over the Facebooks and the Reddits. Was there anything, has it been part of any polls or anything? Uh, There were no polls. Well, okay, yes. Exile on Dayton Street, Place Your Debts, How Do You Like It So Far?, um, four of four, so there must have been three other ones. Uh, one last little step in this journey, comparing Place Your Debts to the other parts of the discography. This last one is to compare a deep cut from Integrity Blues. So it was Place Your Debts versus It Matters. There mm. were 155 votes, 155. <laughs> oh, hey. Where do you it's think serendipity. those votes sat? So It Matters. Okay, it is a deep cut. I'm, oh man, I'm going to say... 80, 75, place your debts. Oh, man. It was 82, 73, it oh. matters. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you were so close with the numbers. It was, wow. it was a very close race. It was. Yeah, so people preferred. Uh, this was four yeah. months ago. I think I'm All really right, feeling place your debts right now, so it's hard for me to imagine yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after watching the video and like hearing a bit of the remix and hearing Jake T. O'Donnell's thoughts, which I think perfectly echo my sen- sentiments. I downloaded it in July and I was like, eh. And then like listened to it again when it came. I mean, really doing the research for this episode. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like everything about this song is like why I go to the beach in the winter to drive yeah. home listening to this, like stuff like this. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, yeah, there it is. Any other community that you were able to uh, suss out? There were a few other ones, but it's kind of like, how do you feel? Um, you know what? Let's talk about this real quick. This is thoughts on the Place Your Debts remix. Uh, Sergeant Donut from two months ago. It was interesting to me that there hasn't been any discussion on this forum about the band's newest release. Personally, I haven't really enjoyed listening to the remix, and I wonder if maybe others feel that way. A, I totally respect the guys for doing some experimentation, especially in the context of what was already a one-off track, but I'll confess to being a bit disappointed. Um, uh, and then, yeah, it was mostly people saying, 
they didn't like the remix. I eh. I was not super into the remix until really we got the context of T.W. Right. Walsh. Yeah. And even likening it to the theme music from, uh, let me pull it up. Uh, I forget who does the theme song to Portlandia. It's called Washed Out, and it's um, it's not by Carrie Brownstein, is it? No, it's Feeling It All Around by Washed Out. Okay, this is the, uh, I'm going to put it into Watch Together. And, like, when you put it into this context, I'm like, yeah, okay. It's just a vibe. It's very NPR. It's very... Yeah, yeah, very morning becomes eclectic, very NPR, very. So, yeah, that's the. Uh, yeah, I think that vibe I get from it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so it's just, I think people were expecting, and again, I feel like people are expecting different things and they're not giving it its proper credit. They don't know the yeah. backstory and hopefully then now that, you know, now they know a little bit more about it. But, um, and then whatever T.W. Walsh has to say about, you know, the the entire story behind it. But you, like, you look at it at face value and people say, nah, it wasn't my cup of tea, um, which they're entitled to say. But it, looking back, like, I guess, we could say the same thing. You mentioned this. The first time we listened to it, even just the Place Your Debts, the, the original track, it was interesting. I thought, oh, this is cool. Um, and then I gave it a chance, uh, another listen to a couple months later, and I thought, this is actually, this is good Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. And just takes a little bit of time, man. I, there's You have these ex- expectations that, I don't know, I feel like most of the time, no band or track ever li- lives up to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, so uh, how many rave DJs do you have? Not a one, man. I'm trying I to ran- make a third. Are you? Wow, great, it's dude. It's not letting me. I think it's because <laughs> it's too long. Uh, I was trying to mix it up with the uh, Portlandia theme song. Oh. <laughs> I think it would have been really good. The remix with the Portlandia theme song. Um, so let's start with the one I have not heard a lick of, which is Appointments, Your Debts. It's my favorite Julian Baker song mixed with... <laughs> Jimmy World, since according to uh, Chat GPT, Julian Baker is on this song. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, Chat GPT did say, so remember we were like, oh, is there a female singing or is that Jim pitched up? Maybe it is Julian Baker. We just don't know. Uh, 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 That said, here is, oh, let me unmute this tab and uh, unmute site. Here we go. I hope this is good because I love the song. Oh, 
It's not working. I was hoping to get more <laughs> Julian Baker in there. Yeah. I mean, it's some of her guitar noodling, but not a lot. Not a lot of there there, unfortunately. <laughs> um, my other one is, what is it called? The title gives it away. Uh, it is My Debts Without You. And it's a U2 mashup because it's kind of got that driving bass. It's not the same progression, but it's similar enough that I think it could work. <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> this is great. It's not bad. I've never seen this music video. It's terrible. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> He's got his hat on walking in, uh, down the streets, right? It's all like that. Maybe I'm thinking the streets have no name. Oh, yeah. yeah! Edge, man. Get it, Edge. Digging it, man. <laughs> I don't hate it. It's just like the uh, Battle of Reverb. <laughs> and and uh, delay. Delay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. I'd listen to that again. All right. Well, Justin, what are your final thoughts on the song Place Your Debts by Jimmy Eat World? I dig it. I dig this and I dig the remix. I, I like both of them. I'm glad that we weigh the fuck around on both, dude. I, I'm I'm glad that we still have content, not only content coming out from the band themselves, but that there are people that are interested in remixing their stuff, and the band is still collaborating with other musicians yep. out there. Um, they're yeah. still staying relevant. I think this is going to be this is going to be part of a bigger thing, whether or not it's a a piecemeal EP or a piecemeal full length that they're putting out. But I'm so glad that they're putting out music. Uh, and I like this. It, it's a vibe. I, I enjoy this, and I enjoy the remix, man. What about you? Concur. Um, I Like I said, I came way the hell around on both ends of the spectrum. I think it's the perfect time of year for this type of track. Uh, and uh, especially, like, if you don't feel like you're feeling the remix, drive around at dusk or later with the remix playing. Specifically, down pch and through the canyon like, I think, like <laughs> that's the vibe you know yeah um like yeah i, I wish i would have listened to it this last friday maybe i'll go to the beach again this next friday and and uh do it i i i'm really loving this like extended winter weather we're having here in la this has been my favorite winter i feel like in a really long time so um uh that said, it's perfect to continue listening to songs like this and to continue being excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! 
Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have uh, already gone gaga about the remix and all of the sound alikes and things that we could find online. And we got the man himself, T.W. Walsh. Welcome to Jimmy Eat Pod. Thanks, David. Nice Thanks. to meet you. You as well. Um, so we were talking a little bit off mic, but I wanted to really sort of dig in. Um, let's talk about the Place Your Debts remix, and then we'll go back in time and find out how you even found out, you know, who Jimmy Eat World were and how you guys, you know, uh, developed a relationship. But specifically, Place Your Debts, how did you get roped into this remix? Well, I just got an email from from Zach, I think, um, or it was maybe it was a DM or something like that on social media. Um, I've known Zach a little bit uh, for a few years and, um, you know, obviously been aware of the band for a long time. And um, we've kind of talked in the past about different ways to work together. And um, I think this was, uh, you know, an idea that Zach and Jim had Um bringing me in to like contribute something creative. I think it seemed like they were kind of in 2022 going for a different uh, strategy for releasing music. They wanted to do a bunch of singles and, um, you know, they were just trying to be creative with it. So they asked me to do a remix of the tune. And um, Jim's instructions to me were, were kind of like, uh, just go as weird as you want to go you know and like uh just take it wherever you want and uh you know i just went ahead and did that they kind of sent me the stems jim i I don't think the song was totally mixed yet like uh jim put together the the files for the song and sent them along and um i turned it around really quickly that was in i think it was like in april of last year when they reached out and I kind of finished it within a week. And um, then um, was just, were, I was just kind of sitting tight, curious as to like if and when it would it would come out. And it eventually came out around Thanksgiving, I think. And what's your what's your process? Because it's got such really cool tones on it. Is are you a modular synthesizer guy or are you uh, how are you uh, creating some of these sounds? Yeah, my process um, in general is it has evolved um to be mostly in uh like in the box kind of production style in the in the computer using software sense and and software samplers and stuff like that um you know growing up i was into analog recording and kind of the traditional side of stuff and that part of that's just my my age that's kind of like the equipment i grew up with like i'm a contemporary of of um jim and zach and the band were about the same age i think and so like home recording back in the 90s meant you had like a four track cassette and, um, you know, working with tape. And then we graduated to like, you know, reel to reel tape machines and things like that. So I'm really into like that style of working, but just the efficiencies and the workflow and the nonlinearity of working with um, computers and digital audio workstations and in the box Um it really affords a lot of flexibility and efficiency. And like now these days, like software sense just sound awesome. And so um, I'm really happy with the tools that are available there. And, um, you know, it, it makes it possible for me to work really fast. So all of that was done in Ableton live and using software synthesizers and and uh drum machines and things like that awesome how much obviously the vocal track made it to the final product how much of the stem of the, of the other stems are are in that mix 
Uh, yeah. So uh, they sent me a lot of files, um, but I kind of wanted to. I didn't want my ideas to get too contaminated with what they had already done. So I basically only took the vocals. There were like a lead vocal and some uh, affected vocals. I think there were two other tracks. One had like a pitch shifting effect. So like you can hear that throughout the song. It's really high pitched thing. And that was basically um, a track that they provided to in addition to the lead vocals. And then there was like a kind of a another vocal track that had some distortion and coloration on it and maybe some um, other kinds of modulation on it that I took that and I basically used that like an instrument, like I would a synthesizer and kind of created stacked um, chords out of the, out of the like pitches and the kind of syllables in that. So like there's a breathy kind of instrument that sounds like a voice throughout the remix um, here and there. And that's actually like, I just kind of, edited um a vocal track that was kind of buried in the buried in the mix in the original tracks and brought it a little more forward and and that's cool man and yeah. uh yeah the the breath of fresh air there is it's tough and like you said you you approached it the way that i think a lot of people ought to is yeah. you don't want to get contaminated with really the chord progression the, the core por- chord progression dictates the song and you could remix it till the cows come home but the progression is the same it might still kind of uh uh you you'll get so much whiff of the original version this is a breath of fresh air in that like the way i likened it is this feels like uh i'm driving home from the beach through i don't know how familiar you are with the west coast at all but like from malibu through uh canaan and uh and that whole canyon area there this feels like dusk at that time and, yeah. uh, and and I guess the original track does as well, but it's they are two very different vibes um, and progressions yeah. that that sort of uh, uh, elicit different tones. Yeah, I think uh, I'm glad that you appreciate like the 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 twist on it, the different vibe. I mean, in my opinion, the um, each of these kinds of jobs or projects is an opportunity to do something creative and you know, like you want to do justice to the original. I thought the kind of original version was, was a great kind of epic song. You know, it really reminded me, it's obviously really original, but also had the vibe of like, you know, something from um, the Joshua tree or something like that. This like really lush, um, you know, anthemic mid-tempo song. And, you know, but the chords were very, uh, major key kind of oriented i was thinking like what what the heck can i do to give it a totally different spin but will preserve the melody and everything so since they gave me like total freedom to do what i wanted i decided like i'd try to i'd reharmonize it like use some different chords that were related to the original key and everything but give it a minor key kind of twist and then also keep it kind of drony and trancy and so it has the same port my version has the same chord progression through the verse and the chorus which gives it like this really hypnotic kind of feel throughout the whole song so um but yeah that's kind of the idea like i try to you know because it was a mid-tempo or slower song i was trying to kind of give it uh a vibe and that kind of vibe is like a nighttime drive vibe i guess it's almost like a future dystopian nighttime uh driving song you know 
as a as a creative and as a musician, is it exciting? You've worked on so many different projects, but to get a new band that you haven't worked with in the past and sort of like see their homework in terms of like you got the stems and it's kind of like, oh, what an interesting way to go about doing something like this or, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, as a listener, I mean, obviously, like I've been working on music so long, I kind of like know what's happening behind the scenes, like I, when I'm hearing something, but still to see the Pro Tools session, for instance, and like um, look at the work that it was put into it and how many layers to the arrangement that, that was, uh, there was, it was um, really interesting. Like, I think um, it was, it seemed to me like, um they they were really experimenting in the studio and kind of like taking a maximalist kind of approach like any idea they had they'd try it out and put it in there and then like um it seemed like maybe they were using the mixing stage to as another opportunity for like an arrangement pass so like they had all these ideas to work with and they were kind of playing with that um all the possibilities in the in the mixing stage you know and yeah, I, I think, think Justin did the mix of the regular version. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. Maybe I, I could, I'd be interested to hear. I don't know if you talked to him on the, on the podcast at all, but um, I'd be interested to hear his perspective on producing that song and how it came together, you know? Not yet. He's a, he's a pie in the sky. I hope to get on, but he's a busy dude. But yeah, like his involvement with the band really kind of like stepped it up with their 2016 album. And it's, it's interesting to get a guy like Justin Melville Johnson uh, in with a more pop forward oriented band like Jimmy world and, and, and see what they can create because they like to get weird as a band. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, well, uh, yeah, yeah, Justin is obviously kind of experimental, like his history and what the type of stuff he's worked on. And um, yeah, like I think that his kind of synth work and his sonic palette has uh, has been really good on their last few records. And and also it seems like he knows how to get the, the best out of the band, too. They seem to have a good relationship. Yeah, that's always fun to see. Um, yeah. So now let's uh, let's let's open it up a little bit. You said that uh, you and Zach had been going back and forth for a while. Let's do something together. What whatever that something might be. Um, how did how did that relationship start? Did it start from on the road years and years ago? Or I guess it must have. Well, you know, I I was in the band this band in the early two thousands called Pedro the Lion, and um, I know that Dave Bazan from that band kind of knew the guys in Jimmy Eat World. Uh, I don't know if they lived like, I don't know if they knew each other when Bazan lived in Arizona, but Dave grew up partially in like the Tempe Phoenix area. And, um, and so there was some kind of Arizona connection. And then there were like, you know, like the, the two bands were kind of mutual fans of each other. I believe we might have played some shows together or there was like talk of touring together or something like that. So there was this like we were bands that knew each other and liked and respected each other, but weren't super close. Like you just get to know a lot of different bands on the road and through your record labels and stuff like that. But um, I think that that's where Jim and Zach in particular got familiar with me. Um, you know, I was kind of... Um, contributing to some of the songwriting in that band Pedro the Lion and I was a multi-instrumentalist so it seems like um, Zach and Jim had continued like paying attention to my music outside of that band after the band broke up and um, I've released 
several solo records um, starting in like the late 90s and you know continuing to today and over time the the production on those um, records has gotten more and more kind of developed and experimental so like a few albums ago I had a record called Fruitless Research which I think in particular um, Zach was a was a big fan of and he's you know kind of reached out to me over the years you know showing appreciation of the music and um so then a few years ago they came through on tour and zach and i had lunch and we were just kind of chatting about maybe doing something someday and um i think that that conversation was probably the um initial seed for this beyond them just like being aware of my music you know yeah um yeah justin and i dug uh my co-host we dug into some of your back catalog and listened to public radio i think a little bit on the pod just to get a vibe and it was really an interesting level set for like we it was i think if i recall the episode we recorded it last week we listened to the remix we listened to some of your tracks and we went back to the remix again and it put so much into context for us and we're like yeah yeah we feel like we could see it, it it was like putting glasses on or something. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's been a natural kind of progression from just like straight ahead, <clears throat> um, like indie rock back in the late nineties. That's kind of, it maybe my take on it was a little bit more um, classic rock influenced and all the way through to like utilizing the kind of the different, technology a lot of the technology that i use it's it's meant to sound kind of retro retro futuristic or something um but uh you know i just didn't have like synthesizers at my disposal in like 1998 let's say it was mostly just whatever guitar was laying around and and drums and then over the years like through people that i knew friends and collaborators like um you know, I got more exposure to different types of technology and different ways of listening and, and arranging stuff. Um, that record fruitless research was a collaboration with my friend Yuki Matthews, who is um, a really amazing producer and um, multi-instrumentalist and composer. And he's uh, been in the shins for the last few records and, and did a lot of the production work on their last record. So um, some of what I've been doing since I worked with him has definitely like been influenced by his way of hearing and doing things. And um, but I've taken a lot of inspiration from um, all of my peers and friends. Like I, I know so many talented people and I've learned a lot from them. Yeah. Careers are like that, right? It's like a lint roller. Like as you move on to the next thing and you learn six things from the last thing you did and it kind of changes your approach to the next idea. Um, yeah. And stuff like that. One, oh, one question I did have um, is we we were going through your bio on your website and it and you had mentioned being a coder and also making yeah. visual art. And then it made me wonder, did he did you also make the visualizer for the remix at all or no? <clears throat> I didn't. That was okay. something that um, the band's uh, management, I think, put together. So um, okay. like, in my mind, I was like, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool if like he also like threw in a bunch of code to after effects and made a bunch of expressions that just spit that out. I was like, "Mm, could be cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I would have been happy to like take a stab at that if they had um, asked, but um, it's interesting. I just did another remix for a a friend and a friend of mine named Chris Staples, who's a great songwriter. And I did do 
the artwork for that remix that's coming out it's coming out this friday actually and um i used uh mid journey ai um to do that so it was kind of like a similar type of process as you were just talking about kind of figuring out how to prompt the artificial intelligence to come up with something that uh, was appropriate for the project you know ai is the big thing right now we we used chat gpt to write a trailer for our show and now if you go to our youtube page the thing that plays was scripted out using chat gpt i just went and cut it together so Um, (laughs) (laughs) i I think that's great it's it's particularly interesting when like if you're transparent about it like that's what what we've done you know and um that you know you you know it's experimental and you're trying to contextualize it in its you know appropriate cultural context obviously we're in the middle of like a sea change here with ai and i think um we can play with all that stuff as long as we're kind of um self-aware when we're doing it yeah i I think i think most people are having a measured a cautious but measured approach to it especially creatives there are many creatives that uh um i i'm I, I work in a visual medium and with visual artists and they have friends that will unfriend somebody for utilizing AI. And then other people use it for inspiration. Like, okay, like this obviously is terrible what it output, but there's some interesting ideas here that maybe I wouldn't have thought of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's obviously lots of ethical questions and ethical pitfalls related to this altogether, but um, you know, there, it's a spectrum and it's a conversation. I don't think, you can dismiss it um, just out of hand on, yeah. on ethical grounds. Like there's definitely a conversation to be had there. Well, cool. Um, I, I'm trying to think, I mean, you've even touched on some, of the, I guess let's talk about anything other than you got a remix coming out on Friday. Is there anything else that you have coming out that, that you're particularly excited and want to talk about? I'm trying to think, you know, I do a lot of different stuff. Um, so music is like one aspect of what I do as a creative and, and as a, as a technician, I have a mass audio mastering business. Um, but then I also do a lot of other stuff. Um, I wrote a book that came out last month. It's, um, called coherence. It's, a it's like about meditation and kind of spirituality. And, um, I, you know, I kind of jump from area to area and um, I'm trying to a lot of, a lot of different things. I just follow my nose from a creative perspective. So maybe a few people out there would be interested in checking out the book. Absolutely. And that's inspiring for sure. I'll bet Jim would be interested in that. We, we went down some rabbit hole in doing the podcast. We come across so many different little sects when we're looking for one little piece of information and we were like, Oh, I wonder if Jim is into TM. And we asked him about it last year, and yeah, he's into TM. And like, I don't even remember how we found that out, but it was just. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll send it. I'll send him the PDF or something. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure he'd be stoked on like that. A, uh, yeah, all the guys seem really interesting. My my main interaction has been with Zach and Jim, and Jim's um, seems like like a really curious guy, really capable. Um, uh, you know, I think that he mixed. Like they did a series of those live live shows and he was the main mixing engineer on those and everything. And so, you know, he's a really um, competent, capable guy. And, and Zach is too. Like they make a, they seem to have a good collaboration and they, they're like a really, they run a tight ship over there. Yeah. It's not hard to see the, the, the reason for their success with the meticulous 
and and professional approach they take to everything. Um, and it's really inspiring. And you're inspiring with being a, a jack of all trades. Your your bio uh, on your website is uh, is all for real. <laughs> You've got Thanks. your hands in so yeah. many different things. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Like sometimes I feel a bit like a jack of all trades and a master of none. But it's um, you know, very it's sincere. I'm sincerely interested in all these different things, and um, you know, um. I think you got to take chances and um, explore your creativity and explore your interests. And I think it's cool that you guys are doing, you guys did just that, right? Like you were interested in this, this band and like you had a wacky idea and you went out and executed it. So yeah, it was like one of those, I mean, maybe you've got like a band that you like, Oh, I love that band, but you don't know anything about them. And that was how we ended up on this journey was we were like, man, Jimmy world. They're like my, they're in my top three favorite bands of all time. And I don't know much about them, so that it was a, it was a strange and and it's been a wild journey to to sort of <laughs> go down. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right, man. Well, Tim, I really appreciate your time, and uh, and I wish you the best. And thanks for making a cool, great piece of art for us in the Jimmy Eat World fan community. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Jimmy, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, this has uh, been kind of this is funny. I, I actually kind of I've gone back and trying to. I haven't realized I I first shot them 21 years ago. So that that's funny. I was going to do like a a little bit of background on us, but I was going through your uh, website and I was like, oh, he didn't just shoot the cover for this. He's worked with them like several times. Um, so oh, yeah, I'd I love mean, to like talk about all that stuff and your career. Yeah, and... I did. Uh, just to let you know, I was working for music magazines living. I had never seen them. I mean, I'm from Phoenix, you know, but I moved to L.A. in my early 20s and spent the entire 80s there. And then I moved to L.A. And uh, I was a photographer for 10 years in New York and ended up working at Spin Magazine, of all places, and uh, among other things. And uh, as the photo editor, not just a photographer, but also as the photo editor. But I was living in L.A. in um, 2002 when I was uh, given a job to go shoot the K-Rock Weenie Roast. Wow, yeah, one of the early ones, huh? Yeah, and it was like, here was this band with, Rick had put the Arizona flag on his Ampeg bass amp. Nice. And being from Phoenix and having only the tubes, Alice Cooper and a handful of others to really, you know, seeing the copper star stripes on the <laughs> on that stage. You know, same stage that the strokes were going to be on. You know, that was such a source of pride. I immediately fell in love with the guys. I oh, thought these cool. guys are cool. That's you know? awesome. So, what was that first meeting like? Did, was that um, was that your? Well, I never actually, I, I never actually met them. I actually photographed them for you know the magazine. Mm, I see. Really funny. And then, so I never actually met the guys. That was for a completely different gig. But you and kept then, it in um, the back of your mind, like, oh, oh interesting. Always, I, I was a fan, you know. You yeah. know, they were a Phoenix fan. You know, you had to stay. You know, you always, always. Then I moved in 2010. I ended up finding myself uh, on the wrong end of a 20-year divorce. <laughs> oh, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, 
decided to kind of regroup in the little town of Bisbee, Arizona. Yeah. And I became really good friends with Derek and Amy Ross, who were nowhere man and a whiskey oh, girl. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. I didn't realize that connection. That's so cool. And Amy, of course, had sang on the early albums mm-hmm. back up, you know, with good friends of theirs. And Derek, you know, they were all on the same early label, same early days. And uh, when Amy and Derek passed away, you know, their tragic story. Yeah. When they passed away, I put on some tribute shows for nowhere man and the whiskey girl because they touched everybody here in arizona so much and jim atkins was so gracious that he came down and performed here in tucson a couple of years in a row and on the third last show we put on the last tribute show the entire band came down to tucson and played at a club called plush how cool. Wow. That it's so funny. I, I expected they, to hear a they couple. They loved her so much. That they loved her so much. Yeah. That they drove down here in a van. Yeah, <laughs> with right. No roadies, <laughs> no crew, you know. And they I watched Jimmy Eat World come in during the gig and set up the, the drum for Zach, you know, like you know, the guys. I mean, Zach's carrying his own drums, setting them up, you know. It, it was a you know, the shows we put on the, the tributes were amazing. You know, we had Lana Beth Kelly, a lot of people that they they knew, you know that that Derek yeah. and Amy knew, but um, Courtney Marie Andrews, mm-hmm. she's blowing up now. She was there, you know. She of course she's tied into the band as well. Yeah. So that's when I, you know, I met Jim, and then Jim and I, uh, I did all of his promotion work for his solo in album. 2015. Okay. Right, and then immediately I shot the band. Um, no, actually, I went and shot them recording. I spent two days in L.A. In, uh, shooting them recording Integrity Blues. So I shot them actually re- laying down the tracks at the uh, recording studio. Mm-hmm. And then all those photos were used for the uh, promotion of that album and the tour. And then I, you know, shot them randomly since then, you know, Phoenix at the at the Rialto at the Halloween show a few years back. And is that having, having had the editorial and, and journalism background, were those photos at that point, these more recent shows for the band or other outlets as well? Those were everything after the, everything after the uh, promotional, I mean, for the, uh, let me start over again. Everything after the um, tributes, Mm-hmm. Over Man and Whiskey Girl was contracted through the band specifically for the album, awesome. for the for the sure, band yeah. itself, or for the label. Okay, that's so awesome. I, yeah, and so you know, and I got to do their last. You know, I I, I shot the video shoot for um, oh god, the name of the song. You know, um, the song, the last something loud or something loud. Okay. Yeah, I shot the video. I I photographed them videographing. You know, I documented the shooting of that video. Got it. You know, and then I shot promotional shots that you've seen going with the pyramid and stuff like that. Yeah. Because the new stuff, you know, so. 
Yeah, we've been coming, you know, I've been working with these guys for 21 years. That's I mean, incredible. Not on, and, you know, not working with them for 21 years, but they've been in my zeitgeist for 21 years now. That's so incredible. Mm-hmm. And that's how we found you was my co-host and I, we do, uh, you know, about a week's worth of research before we record an episode. And your name came up specifically tagged in the artwork for the Place Your Debts single release. And so I'm always shooting my shot. And as soon as I see somebody tangentially related with some production area of the band, like we did have Jim on last year, which is like the the holy grail, right? We're a song by song Jimmy Eat World podcast. We talk about every piece of music that they've recorded. Uh, getting right. a member of the band is is the holy grail. But also finding your stories. And we talked about uh, Noah Man and Whiskey Girl on several episodes and learned their whole story, having it sort of all tied together through it. I reached out to you because of a photograph you took, and we got already, you know, 10 minutes of great stories from you. <laughs> it's just so great. <laughs> what a great intro to the interview. Um, well, good. I'm glad. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to have a pre interview with you to kind of let you know that, you know, it's 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 been real fun. You know, I even shot Rick's. I even shot promotional work for Rick's distillery. The cask works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really, that's deep. That's really going deep into the Jimmy Eat world. <laughs> yeah. Right. World, and and we've, know? we've talked about that. I even gifted my co-host uh, a bottle of cask works uh, vodka. Oh, it's delicious. For, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, for it's not around anymore. Ago. Yeah. It yeah. Was, it's, it was great stuff. You know, I really enjoyed it. And he's amazing. You know, how blessed am I to be able to, have these guys as clients you know i don't even think of them as clients that's just i don't even use that word i don't even know why i chose that word um but from a business standpoint it's true but i can see and you're not the only person who has had this reverence for them as just genuine dudes who you get the pleasure of working with right that's what it sounds like right i mean i mean a long time ago rock and roll and drama became very you know uh joined at the hip Mm -hmm. you know like you know the whole Keith Moon destroy the you know, hotel rooms, and I'm all for that. I, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm like a good TV out the window of a motel, you know. You know, but at the same time, the cliches are cliches, and when things are a drama, they're a goddamn drama. I won't cuss, by the way, if we're on the air. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. you know. But I mean, if things are a drama, it's not fun. Drama's not fun, and you know, with me, I always like to joke that I spent my first. 15 years of photography shooting in Paris and New York, photographing models. So after learning to work with teenage overpaid rock star girls, I could then go into the music business mm-hmm. and work easily with musicians because I knew how their temperament was. And you know? <laughs> let's, let's touch on that. Cause I think the listeners would be interested in that. Like what got you into photography? And it sounds like you were already traveling the world pretty early into your career. Uh, you said you grew up in Arizona or you wound up there at some point. I grew uh, up in Phoenix. Okay. West side of Phoenix. And, and, uh, and yeah, talk, talk about your journey from that into shooting models in Paris and then getting into the music industry. Well, I mean, I mean, always been in love with, you know, it's funny how my love with music has always been, you know, incredibly important with everything I do in my life. But I moved from Phoenix. I became, I, I'm a self-taught photographer and I became somewhat 
Well, how do you say this stuff? I hate talking about myself because it just sounds so weird, you know? Well, I mean, <laughs> I it is why I reached so out. So You're allowed cool. in this medium. I, I can imagine <laughs> okay, it being right. self-conscious, but we did reach out because of your <laughs> well, skill. So, <laughs> well, Okay. Well, the thing is, is I'm a self-taught photographer. Uh, I started shooting. I, this is kind of ironic. I haven't thought about this in a long time. I actually started shooting my friends. I taught myself photography by shooting my friends. And most of my friends were in bands. And so because I was hip to album covers back in the, Mm -hmm. this was, and we're talking about the, the um, late seventies. So album covers were so important to my life, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, so hypnosis was a great, uh, photography they did all they did all the covers for king crimson and genesis and yes and all those albums and i was heavily influenced by them and then one day i was at the bookstore looking through photography books with my girlfriend and i noticed she was reading a fashion magazine which used a lot of photography and they photographed women which was also really interesting to me at the time you know being yeah. 22 years old 23 years old and so I started photographing women, models, and worked with an agency called Plaza 3 in Phoenix, which is no longer around. Oh, maybe they might be around. I don't know. But um, that led to a lot of work in Phoenix. And, and I was really hitting my stride by, I believe, in like 75. And uh, by 79, I was working for all the advertising agencies in Phoenix and doing Diamonds, which was a department store, and Goldwaters and doing all their catalogs and stuff. And I thought, I thought, well, if I'm doing well here, I'm going to go to New York. I'll try it there. So I moved to New York, started shooting fashion in New York, and I uh, worked as an assistant for many years and ended up working my way up to where I worked for, you know, national magazines 17 magazine i i worked on jobs with vogue and all these you know big giant you know magazines and from uh, the whole decade of the 80s i ended up traveling around the world shooting photos and found myself in 81 living in paris and kind of getting a little i really started missing the, the west coast you know, and and I really was missing Mexican food, to tell you the truth. You know, <laughs> we <laughs> all are. Everybody crisp. who lives in the Southwest, had, it's like we can't go I anywhere. Had a che- right. I hadn't had a good cheese crisp in ten years. You know, unless <laughs> I came back to visit my parents, and uh, so I uh, gathered up all my stuff, and in 1990 moved to uh, Los Angeles, and decided to instead of focusing on women, uh, I would instead focus on on music and uh with a small digression as a as a lifelong angelino how did you find the mexican food here compared to what you're used to in phoenix um it's about 48 to 52 percent you know okay cool yeah yeah yeah. you know i mean i lived again i lived in la for five years and i lived in ojai for 15 okay so so my my California Mexican food palate was well satiated. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and actually, I mean, L.A. has the best taquerias anywhere. Yeah, no we doubt. do love tacos, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can stop any corner and grab a taco. That's, yep. that's really fabulous. And I really, I try to do that every time I'm there, you know. Yeah. And uh, 
Better Jonathan on, Gold's food as, guide is a good uh is always a good primer. Yeah, yeah, okay. you know it's but as far as uh you know three enchiladas, you know uh, <laughs> quesadilla and, and you know that type of thing. I, I there's places in Phoenix that I I've been going to for fifty years. Sure, you know. Yeah. It's so great. So sorry to digress um, a little bit, but <laughs> oh no, no, I can always digress from Mexican TV. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so you uh, you went from women to then you started shooting bands. I started shooting bands, and you know, because I my last years in in New York, I actually my love of fashion photography was waning. That's why I kind of was mm. looking to move, and that's why I, you know. And I ended up taking a job working as the photo editor. I had worked for Spin Magazine. I had shot covers for Spin. I shot Bon Jovi, the Bengals. But I also ended up working as the photo editor for Spin. Mm. And which was like the first time in a while that I had a real job, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, be not just a freelance photographer. And uh, I did that for a while and it was really fascinating it was hard working with the publisher who was bob guccione jr he owned spin magazine but the people working there were legendary legs mcneil bart ball these were old rock and roll journalists that i grew up reading you know and uh that connection made it easier for me to shoot music you know the way business always works is once it's kind of like establishing yourself in photography is a lot like getting credit when you have a lot of money they'll loan you money mm. you know what i mean it's like wait a minute <laughs> how do i start <laughs> if i need a lot of money before you loan me money how do i start totally. you know what i mean and and getting the so much of a professional photographer is literally how do you get yourself into the job? You know, the craft itself is super important, but you know, it's how do you find yourself in front of the people? How do you find yourself in front of Jimmy Eat world, you know, and with letting them shoot you, you know, without having to pay for a ticket, <laughs> you know, how do you negotiate a photo pass? I could teach a seminar on how to get photo passes and there's no one way there's 17 different ways, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there's 20, but three of them are illegal and we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I've used all 20, let's put it that way. Sure. <laughs> you know? and, and that's the thing. I mean, access is king, right? And you know that as a podcast producer, you know, access is the whole thing. Like you said earlier, getting Jim in on your podcast not only gives us a sense of, you know, uh, wow, this is really the titular person to have right yeah but you also have you know the idea of like wow that's the greatest yeah i, I bet you had fun talking to him yeah and what it's <laughs> yeah he was a super team player like because we very much we joke that uh if you remember the snl sketch with chris farley when he's talking to paul mccartney and he's just Absolutely. asking paul does he remember being in the beatles like it kind of like we came away from the interview feeling like it was basically like that but I mean, you know, he probably went in knowing that we have a podcast dedicated to his band. It was probably going to be like that. <laughs> well, you know, and it's it's funny because of my age and everything. I, I'm a total fanboy for them as well. I mean, again, Jim is such a sweet, funny, cool, smart. I mean, it's obnoxious. You know, it's yeah. Like, Get over yourself, Jim. And, Come on. <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, it just makes me feel like shit every time I'm around. You know, <laughs> I look at myself and go, no, no, he doesn't at all. He's such a gracious guy, and everybody in the band's that way as well. But Jim, especially, is, is such a uh, he's always been so giving and so you know. But more importantly, the the, the thing that really I hope we connect on and we seem to have some kind of connection is our, we both love our craft. We both love what we do. We both love trying to produce something, you know, it's like we try to shoot, well, I kind of shoot them to look affable, but not rock stars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's Jimmy Eat World. They're not, that's not you too. You know, they're not going to talk about politics. They're not going to talk about, you know, uh, you know, woke, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, you know, and they, by the way, they're all amazing. They're all smart as, you know, F, you know, and, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's, they're a band, you know, and, and they, they, but their dedication. And also again, what was that Jimmy world's like fine wine, right? I mean, you know, I've seen that meme around, you know, they just keep getting better with age, you know, and it's like, it's weird because, the when Derek and Amy passed away and I got the nerve to contact well actually I had shot with I, I take it back. Jim Atkins reached out to me because at that point everybody was really when they passed away everybody was really uh connected to each other on Facebook, mm-hmm. social media at that point in two thousand um eleven when it happened. I mean I'm sorry, two thousand uh thirteen when it happened. Um, so I had been posting my photos I'd shot of them and I think somehow Jim, just by us, you know, the algorithm, Jim ended up seeing some of my photography and that's when he contacted me to do the, his solo stuff. Mm. So they had already passed away, but I had listened to Derek and Amy just tell story after story of, you know, hanging out with them, doing shows with them you know, being so proud of them. And that's the other thing, all the people in that old label. I mean, I was just, I just photographed Courtney Marie Andrews at the Troubadour mm-hmm. in December. And they got a chance to talk to her. And uh, everybody had, had such uh, reverence for Jimmy Eat World, you know, uh, for Jim Atkins and the band. So when Jim reached out to me to do photography, I felt like I already knew him, you know, yeah. I'd heard so many stories about him and, you know, and all these, you know, these great anecdotes and everybody has such reverence for him, you know? So Jim and I, uh, I shoot really loose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, are you, um, I don't, are you, uh, shooting digital these days? Or are you still like a, yes, I shoot. No, I shoot digital. Okay. I, I, you know, I shot, I shot film for 30 years and digital the next 20, Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and, uh, but I don't like to do a lot of, uh, assisting and, you know, have a bunch of it. You know, I don't like an entourage, you know, I like just, you know, I like trying to get people in between the moments, you know, that type of thing. I, I try to get, you know, and so there's a lot of hanging out to do, you know, we have a lot of hanging out when we shoot you know, getting, going to the places, locations and getting ready and stuff. And it was just a, a delight to, to hang out with somebody, you know, that was, uh, we, we really hit it off. Yeah. And, it, uh, it sounds like it. And the fact that was third, uh, not 13, eight years ago now. Um, 
Yeah. And uh, and you yeah. just got, and so let's let's talk about because this this interview will be tacked on to place your debts. That's why we ended up reaching out was the artwork you did for place your debts. Um, how did there was a there was a phone call made? Uh, hey, let's do a photo shoot. Was it for this song in particular that they wanted to do it? Had you heard the song? What's that process like? Well, they reached out about me first shooting the mm, right something loud video. The the video production. I know you know Jim. Again, this is the great thing about our past. I always told Jim, like when you have things like photo shoot, I mean, uh, film shoots, things like that. I you know call me up. I like to document it. I mean, that's my favorite part is mm-hmm. because I love rock and roll and i love music i i love being around it you know and if i have to use an excuse for a photography shoot just to get me in a room to watch jimmy eat world yeah. play, <laughs> <laughs> i'll use that anytime i can you know and uh so uh so i went down there and, and i photographed them shooting it but then they also talked to me about doing the, the promotional stuff for the upcoming all the new stuff for the new tour at the time mm-hmm. that they had going and uh, so I came back after the video shoot, came back two weeks later, and then we uh, we had some ideas. Actually, the main idea that we had planned, which I won't get into because we ended up, it didn't really turn out the way that we wanted it to, you know? That's so interesting. The, That's always a part of the creative process, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, and I may, you know, rework the idea. Like yeah. another time you oh know, yeah that keep, type of thing, you keep know? your but cards it, close yeah but the point is, is is knowing like you know like but the way i like to shoot is what i usually plan is just an excuse to get us there and then we just start riffing and start mm-hmm. you know being spontaneous and uh they had no idea you know are you familiar with the shot with the pyramid yeah, so and that's the one that they use for the artwork for Place Your Debts. And uh Right. And so yeah, that was one of the ideas that had come up. And uh well they never no, I I sort of as like, hey, you know what, we should go shoot at this place. I had shot there like years before. I'm talking about thirty years when I was still living in Phoenix. Sure. I had shot at that location. It's an old Evangelical, evangel, evangelical evangelical church, yeah, yeah, it's an old evangelical church, and uh, it was just uh, I wasn't even sure it was still there to tell you the truth, but we, you know, that's how we shoot. We just jump in the, the cars and we drive there, and it's 115 out, it's five <laughs> five thirty because I I was waiting for that late afternoon sun. That's actually the roof. The church is built into the ground, so that's like the roof so you kind of stand up on the roof and mm-hmm. i always ask for i always beg for forgiveness instead of ask for permission there you go you know yep. I mean? it's, a, it's an easier way to get things done you know yep. <laughs> and so we just went out they got on the roof i was shooting it they were walking back and forth people were literally pounding underneath on the ceiling from underneath going saying get off our roof oh no get way <laughs> That's hilarious. And, but because the shadows were exactly how I wanted them at that time of the day, and they were, you know, spaced away, it, it only took a, it took less than four minutes to take that photograph. You That's know, that, great. the drama is in the 
juxtaposition of the images with the pyramid. I mean, you know, I mean, it's so everything about yeah. the photo is set. You don't have to worry about looking good. Yeah. You know, I mean, that type of thing. So, uh, um, me just getting it in focus was great. You know, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, so that's, you know, that's how that photo came about. So sometimes they are planned out. These guys show up, they bring all the right clothes. We talk about what they're going to wear. We talk about what we're going to shoot. And then we drive on a lark and take a picture that ends up being the, the photo. You know wow. what I mean? So that's how it kind of is. Now the post-processing on that photo that ended up on the artwork itself, there is a poster ver- poster version of it. Um, that is the, the, just the photo. Um, there's the blue grain affected version of the photo. Is any of that part of your art direction or does that, once the photo gets passed to the band, uh, the, the, the one that was done with the blue with mm-hmm. the motion mm-hmm. that was done by somebody else got it and i love i love it's so cool that's one of my favorite things i kind of wanted to start before becoming a still photographer i, I thought of myself as one day maybe growing up and becoming a, a director making films and then i realized that would never happen <laughs> in a million lifetimes with me so i decided to start shooting one one frame at a time you know it was much more easier to my, you know, to, to actually making it happen. And, uh, but I always wanted to have a cinematic feel to my photography. Mm-hmm. And I love the collaboration in film. I love all the people you work with. Gosh, if one person's good at something, imagine working with a crew of 35, mm-hmm. you know, of, of people being great at everything. So just the collaboration, just watching somebody take, you know, me taking my idea and then someone taking it and adding on to it and passing it over to somebody else. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that's a lot of fun as an artist. I, I love that. Yeah. One well, of the most flattering things in the world, actually. It turned out great. And that pyramid was so iconic. I was unfamiliar with it. I, uh, growing up, I have family that's in Phoenix. It's less than a four minute drive from the dojo my sister works at that my my nephews went to. And uh, I'd never seen that structure before. I'm going to have to drive by and see it next time I'm in Phoenix. And but, now it's a Jimmy Eat World icon. I know. <laughs> I, I honestly think they own the they own the look of that building now. Like, it just is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I think so, too. And it's, were they stoked on Were they familiar with that area once you brought them over there? Um. Of course, Zach and everybody has some story about being driven to, you know, peewee football or something down the, you know, by Chase Boulevard, you know, but no, they were, they, you know, they, I think Zach knew about it, you know, but no, they, they didn't, you know, it was just something that was tucked in my back of my mind. Yeah. Just like a cool spot. That whole area was unrecognizable to me, of course, because last time I was there was 30 years uh, (laughs) earlier. Well, it's funny, too. When I looked at it on the map, I assumed it was way out in the boonies somewhere um, because there's it's just the pyramid. You can't see anything around it. And then you look at it on Google Maps. You're like, oh, it's just like it's near like a fries. Like (laughs) it's not right. No. Now, it used to be the boonies. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's what my mom says, too. She grew up in Phoenix and she's like, oh, but it's it's. It's crazy how clustered it is. It's completely surrounded by strip malls and, and you know, I mean, that pyramid now is in the middle of another huge mall area. <laughs> you know, you go like, whoa, <laughs> you know, but it worked for the shot. Yeah. That's what I like about photography is it's done. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> and, they, and again, they're so stark up against that white roof. I mean, none, it, it's 
having the details and the context is hilarious. And the story that you see in the image itself is so different without that context. That looks like, you know, it, it's just so arresting. It's just a great shot. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, it means a lot to me. Um, what, what photo are they using for the, um, Your podcast is about what now? So each episode is a different song. So right. this episode will be for Place Your Debts, which is the latest song that they've released. Oh, and what what photograph are they using for that? Uh, that is the that's the one with the blue where they affected them standing where the pyramid is, and they put the blue oh, filter oh, okay, on good. it, and okay. they and they blurred oh. them over to the side and all. Right, that. exactly. Um, right, yeah. right. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's one. Okay, good. I was just making sure. <laughs> yeah, something loud, which you did, you helped you you shot the some uh, stills of them shooting the video. That's the more rockin' song, and the artwork for that's just uh, you know very like uh, '80s hair metal, something loud uh, style text, um, which is also a very cool piece. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, that was a great video. And yeah. that was a typical, that was a typical Jim Atkins staying within his wheelhouse. I mean, that video was shot in their, you know, practice room, mm-hmm. you know, studio, their own private, you know, their own personal studio thing. Back in a, but like Jim kind of, it's like with his music himself, it's like he stays within himself. You know, like he doesn't, he doesn't want, when we talk, he doesn't want the photographs to look like rock and roll photographs. You know, he wants to, he wants to, you know what I mean? It's like they, they came up with this great idea for the video, this black and white film of just the camera spinning around, you know, which also worked out great because they don't have a lot of room in that place. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it worked brilliantly. Yeah. It was so brilliant, you know, the way the, the whole thing uh, turned out so well. Yeah, he's got a he's got a creative vision, and it's really good. It's it's, and I think I think you nailed it. It's uh um you you said I think I think you used the word aloof as opposed to rock stars. Um, but it's very much like they look like dudes in a band. They don't look like an unattainable band. They don't look unapproachable. They don't look otherworldly. Um, they don't sing about it either. No, you no. know, I mean, I mean, they don't. I asked them about, you know, again, you're not the only fanboy. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and often the hardest part of my job is not like screaming and wanting to touch the you know the faces of all the celebrities I'm around, you know, and going, oh my god, I can't believe I'm this far away from Cindy Crawford, yeah, you know, you, but you know, yeah. But the point being is maintaining some kind of professionalism and cool when you're hanging around people that you're you know usually you know uh, appreciative of is 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 really hard, <laughs> yeah, you know. But so one day I got the nerve up. Jim and I were sitting around, and I got the nerve to just say in this little quiet time, like, so who came up with the in the middle video? concept you know because i never because again i don't know if there's any more iconic what a great video yeah the in the middle video was in so many ways you know in the message it was showing you know like it was conveying this really great message because social media was brand new at that time oh yeah 
you know, the whole idea of uh, MySpace and Facebook and that whole thing. And but uh, he gave me some backstories. You know, it was really fun to listen to. You know, to I got a chance to you know one on one sit with Jim Atkins and talk about <laughs> the in the middle video, <laughs> and it was like pinch me, pinch me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But again, it's like none of that is accidental. No. You know, the concept wasn't gems in the bands, but obviously they 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 knew exactly what I mean, they were all for it. You know what I mean? They they knew they were all about it. Yeah. Fact, you know. And uh but yeah, that's 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 probably the greatest thing about <laughs> my relationship with this band that it does give me great for me to be able to talk about Zach's dad's baseball career. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. And seeing Zach's passion for baseball still continuing. It's just so fun. Well, I'm a Dodgers fan. So same. Kind of, same. Really, I, <laughs> I'm, always, a, I'm always self-conscious and, and wearing like, a Dodgers hat around him or something. <laughs> listen, I, I mean this. I, I love Zach to death. But this last time. I think they are so tired of us kicking their butts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a backstar that he wasn't even laughing. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. again, it's like, you know, I come down, I live in Tucson and I go up there and uh, see all the Dodgers games when they play the Diamondbacks. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's just been real easy to get tickets lately. All bad. <laughs> For the last three or four years, I've gotten the most amazing, you know, like second row right behind the dugout oh. you know, tickets because nobody. You know, you know, but uh, no, but anyway, but just seeing them play, I mean, seeing them play the Super Bowl, I didn't go to the show. Yeah, but, but I mean, such a cool uh, uh, thing for them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they have such a great relationship with the city of Phoenix, you know, even though they're Mesa. <laughs> Let's right. face it, anybody <laughs> knows them knows they're not Phoenix, they're Mesa. That's right. You know? <laughs> But they call him, you know, it's the Valley of the Sun. We'll, we'll go with that, I guess. There you go. Even though it's even though it's more like the surface of the sun, you know. <laughs> yeah. <necessarily. laughs> they should actually change that. So oh, uh, should we do this now? We did it, Jimmy. Believe it or not, I hit record on that whole thing. I mean, if you want to like record like an actual interview, but this was par for the course, like every interview that we've done, and it was reverent for the band. And I had a great time. I got a ton of great stories from you. Um, I'm not a professional journalist. So um, you came so well prepared. You're like, oh, here's my like body of work, which I looked at. And I obviously I'm a, I'm a huge Phoebe Bridgers fan and all the work that you've done with her um, and scouring and seeing all the Jimmy World photos and stuff throughout the years. You know, I need to interrupt real quick. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not surprised because if you're a Jimmy World fan, you're going to love Phoebe Bridgers. And okay, so I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> Jesus, I'm old. I just realized how. No, I, I, you know, I'm 68. But like, I've gotten to. I mean, I discovered for the first hearing the very first album when it was released. You know, I got to listen to Hendrix for the first time. I got to hear, you know, mm-hmm. David Bowie for the first time. You know, and it's like, dude, it's so cool that. Phoebe Bridgers can just come along and just knock me out of my socks. Same. You know what I mean? Yeah. And go like, you know, a 20 year old girl, you know, from, in, you know, like Los Feliz or wherever it is in, you know, LA, you know, like, you know, you know, and yet nail it, just killing it. She's, I mean, she's owning the world. Who's not 
doing a, a duet with Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, get know, in line. Guest. Get in line. Yeah. yeah she's, exactly. She's, yeah. So I remember I heard, I heard, um, Oh, whatever the first song was off the first record. And it has that baritone guitar that kind of sounds like the Twin Peaks theme. And I, I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan. So I was like, oh, my God, what the hell is this? And then I see, oh, she's playing at the Natural History Museum. If you're familiar here in Los Angeles, Natural History yeah. Museum has the famous um, taxidermy rooms with all the all the dioramas. She played a show for NPR in that room um, where Jimmy World has also shot a music video in that room. Um, but I saw oh. I saw Phoebe Bridgers at the Natural History Museum about a month after her record came out with maybe a hundred other people. It was so incredible. Like that's one of my top shows I've ever seen. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, the rest of your life that's gonna be one of your top shows. Oh yeah. She'll never you know? play a room that small again. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's opening for Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I yeah. mean and, and again, I mean the thing about Phoebe is that she's going to stay around. Oh, yeah. You know, she'll never be as big as Taylor Swift, but she will constantly be a force. Yeah. Like now she's getting back together with um, the other two girls for um, uh, for Boy Genius. Boy yeah. Genius. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Which, again, they were, I really loved them when they were around. You know, I mean, I've been a huge Phoebe Bridgers fan for a while, you know. Yeah. But my point being, it, it's so amazing. I mean. One of the greatest feelings, unlike politics and so many other things that we can talk about, music is in good hands. <laughs> Kids are really new bands. I, I'm hearing new music all the time that is so good. <laughs> you know, that, that John Lennon would listen to and go, holy fuck, TV Bridges is good. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know. And that's you great hearing saying? it from like, you, who's been in the trenches for, um, and has has the context behind it you know like i could come around and say oh uh phoebe bridgers is an old soul but like i'm like six years older than her you know what i mean like it's not that's not impressive for me to have that take um but for you to hearing that music is in good hands from someone who was there and like you said heard Jimi Hendrix for the first time when the record was new and you know that type of stuff right and you realize I mean that's so when I got a chance to get Phoebe Bridgers in my portfolio especially at this part of her career yeah you know I mean again I mean I saw Hendrix five times I saw the very last performance of the Jimi Hendrix experience before they broke up like two weeks before Woodstock (laughs) I saw him for three dollars at ASU for three bucks wow and I, my friend and I rolled under the stage and then rolled out to watch the second show so we didn't have to pay another $3 because <laughs> he played twice. I mean, you know, but the point being is I saw that's what made seeing Courtney Marie Andrews, who I think is fabulous right now. Her, yeah. her latest album, Loose Futures, is insane yeah. how good it is. And I saw her at the Troubadour. Well, again, back in the 70s, I saw Linda Ramstamp with mm-hmm. the Eagles backing her up at the Troubadour. Wow. You know, so I feel like in a weird way, I don't like to pull rank. But, you know, it's like when I say Phoebe Bridges is good, it's like, motherfucker, I, I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not an opinion. <laughs> you got to write that down, you know. And, and that's what's you know, and that's what's really groovy about mu- music, right? I mean, it just touches your soul, you yeah. know. Out of all the artwork 
in the world. And this is why you do your podcast. Out of all the artwork in the world, when my friends, when Derek and Amy died, I didn't go see my favorite movie 15 times. I didn't read it, my favorite book four or five times, you know. Mm. I laid in the dark and cried and listened to their albums and listened to their music and yeah. listened to Jimmy Eat World. You know, it watching Jim Atkins, you know, sing their songs in a memorial is, is my church, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's what music can do. Yeah. You know, music has that kind of it's different than art <laughs> you know like, like <laughs> it's fun to think that you know when you see the grammys you think it's the academy awards and you know the the emmys and you know but we all know music is different for our emotions and movies and video games and what we call entertainment music isn't i guess that's what i'm getting at music isn't just entertainment yeah right yeah yeah I it mean, is it's, it's so much it's, more it it it's, you know, so when you see an old soul like Phoebe Bridgers grab the baton, you know, and you realize we're on the cusp of losing Joni Mitchell, right. you know, she, you know, it's like, it really makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and seeing uh, Courtney Marie Andrews, who, again, Amy, because of, here's a fun story for you to know, and there's no hard feelings in this story, but Courtney, Amy sang all the early backup stuff on their first album. Right. So when Jimmy E. World went to perform for David Letterman, mm -hmm. instead of Amy going to New York, who had to stay here to do her dialysis, they they took Courtney Marie, you know. Yep. And even though she didn't perform on the albums at that point, you know what I mean? But you know, that's, and it's so cool to me to think about, you know, because they were, yeah. you know, Amy was really, I mean, Amy was a little heartbroken because she would have loved to go, sure, yeah. you know, back, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's like, and know, then how wild, like, like Courtney was what, 17 or 18? Oh, absolutely. It's insane. And, you know, <laughs> I made a tour t shirt for Derek out of a Sharpie and it said <laughs> the lower man, and because of their dialysis, you know, they couldn't tour, you know, mm. they had to, because she was in dialysis every other day. You know, and she can miss like three at the most, you know. Yeah. I mean, she can miss two, but she can never miss more than three. But anyway, um, I made a tour uh, T-shirt for them. Nowhere Man Whiskey Girl tour T-shirt on the back. I wrote all the bars in Bisbee and Tucson, you know, like. <laughs> <just> <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, the thing about that is because they performed everywhere all over Arizona they became such good friends with all these people they stayed such good friends with Jim Atkins and everybody and everybody loved them so much so to see Courtney Marie look at me that night at, at the uh, uh, Troubadour and say holy shit Jeff Tweedy is covering one of my songs on his Instagram you know it's like yeah. that's pretty good yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and and again, that's a. I can't help but think that, in a real corny way, that you know Jim Atkins and all Zach and 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 Tom and you know uh, Rick. I mean, they've been a beacon of inspiration for all that crew. That all the early 
you know, guys that were on that label. Everybody loved them. They they were so giving and you know showing up and playing a benefit in a bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jimmy Eat World, you know. By the way, luckiest audience in the world. <laughs> yeah, well, right. You know? <laughs> I, to this day, I look at people and go, "Do you know what I made happen?" I hope you appreciate this, damn it. You know, it's uh, yeah, to be in a in a crowd of three hundred people in a bar watching them perform. You know, it was just, and it was so right. You yeah. Know? But uh, yeah, Jimmy, anyway, I, really, I get a little terrified. <laughs> You've got amazing stories, man. I'm so glad that we did this. I hope you had a great time. Uh, and like oh, I said, I I'm not a journalist. Like this was the interview. I hit record right away. So uh, <laughs> well, you are a journalist. I mean, uh, you are a journalist, but never, never admit to it, though. OK, <laughs> <laughs> continue. <laughs> never admit to anything. I <laughs> You know, a friend of mine who's a lawyer said, you know why that catfish got caught? And I go, why? He goes, because he opened his goddamn mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because so you remember. When they pick you up, even if you're innocent, don't open your goddamn mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I always think about that because I really was a little trepidatious about doing this because I usually put my foot in my mouth, you know, but you made it really great. Thank oh, you good. So much. I'm glad, man. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you had fun. This was super fun. Thank you for doing it. And I'll make sure I send you a link. Is there anything that you want to impart upon the people or promote or uh, anything before I let you go? No, just tell people to be kind to each other. There we go. You know, uh, I will say problem. we end. I I've, uh, I don't know if this was part of your demographic or not. Um, uh, in the early 90s, there's a movie called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And their uh-huh. mantra is uh, be excellent to each other and party on dudes. And we end every episode with that. And I think uh, you pretty much summed it up. Just I think you're cut from the same cloth as us, Jimmy. I think you know, <laughs> that's, the, that's the nicest thing anyone's told me in a while (laughs) thank you very much (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad to be the one thanks so much jimmy thank you